the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, let's get it underway on a hump day. It's Wednesday. It's middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday day. And that's a good thing. By the way, if you've been watching the weather, there is a tropical depression in the Gulf right now. It looks like it will turn into like a Category 1 hurricane before it's all said and done. And it's going to make landfall somewhere between New Orleans and uh, Galveston, Texas, what they're saying. So when I see that and I'm looking at the, the, the map and it's saying it's going to come up on land and then it's going to start turning to the north uh, east, tells me we should start looking for rain. And the forecast that I saw today was uh, two to three inches of rain on Monday coming our way. Until then, it's going to be hot and dry, they're saying. We'll see if that happens. Now, if that storm picks up, all bets are off. I mean, if it starts going faster, all bets are off. Uh, but that's what they're saying. So we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure uh, we'll be able to give you all the information that you'll need. We got a full show today. Stick around. A lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, in the second hour, Kim Hammer coming by, State Senator Kim Hammer going to be with us. Going to talk to him a little bit about his new show that he has launched on Saturdays at noon. Want to make sure that you know all about it so that you uh, can tune in and hear it because, well, he'll he'll explain it. I'm not going to try to explain it to you uh, here on the air myself. Let him talk about it. But it, it's a different kind of show, and if you listen to it, you should have a real good grasp of what's going on politically here in the state. So he's going to be with us. Might be a possibility that Robert Steinbach will come in and and talk with uh, the senator as well. As you know, Robert worked uh, with him quite often uh, during the last uh, General Assembly. So we'll see if he's going to. I haven't heard back specifically from him yet. I'm waiting for him to call back. Uh, in the, the four o'clock hour, uh, we're going to have uh, a duck in here and he may bring his uh, buddy, his compadre, who does uh, cleaning of cars. And I know how all of us like to have, at least from time to time, one of those spotless looking cars that we have detailed. And this guy can deliver the goods and he'll talk about some of the things that they do to get your car looking fantastic. So uh, that's coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, 5 o'clock hour. We're going to ha- hear from uh, the head of District 6 of FEMA. That's us in District 6. He'll tell you what's happened, what's going to happen, dealing with all of the flooding. And also during that 5 o'clock hour, he's going to be with us for about 10 minutes, all the time he's got. Then we're going to have Jerry Cox with us. Uh, from Family Council, he wants to talk about some uh, different things, uh, 
I've got the uh, information here in front of me. Let me get my my material and tell you he is looking to talk about recreational uh, marijuana and uh, about some things that he heard talked about yesterday on that. Court challenges to the recently passed abortion laws dealing with 18 weeks OBGYNs and Down syndrome children, entertainment districts, and then he's going to announce when their legislative report card will be released uh, for you to see for what they thought uh, the senators did as far as uh, the last general assembly. So we got a full a full show today. So you're going to want to sit around and and uh, be part of it. If you're in your car, you know, stay tuned. Good stuff going. We are, of course, on Mevo, which means we are on Facebook Live. Go to, uh, you know, facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show, and you can watch uh, the show uh, as we broadcast it. So if you are in a null and you can't hear it on the radio, you can watch us on your phone, or you can watch us on your tablet or on your uh you know, your uh, laptop, whatever it is that you would be watching on. So got all kinds of ways for you to listen to the show. Uh, Yesterday was a lot of fun because we were on Jan Morgan's Facebook page with the show, and uh, you heard from 10 different states yesterday. We had 18 calls from 10 different states. Let me see if I can give them to you off the top of my head. California, Oregon, Arizona, Alabama, Texas, Virginia, and Illinois. It seems there was one other, but I can't think of what it was. But anyway, those folks were calling in yesterday. It's always nice to be able to hear from people in other uh, parts of the states, uh, United States and see what they're thinking. And gosh, yesterday as we listened, it sounded to me that uh, these conservatives that were calling in are thinking the same way you're thinking. And they're hearing what's going on in our state, and they go, you know, a lot of that same stuff is going on in our state, whatever state that they're they're in. All right, so let's get it underway today. I, I really had a hard time, Zach, figuring how I wanted to start the show off today. Did I want to talk about AOC? And then I listened to... Uh, the sound that I had, and I thought, no, nah, people don't want to hear a whiner. And she's whining, okay? She's whining. Uh, and then you've got the whole thing that's going on with the uh, Epstein uh, trial coming up, and, you know, they've been they've been attacking uh, the labor secretary because he was the, um, the person who was dealing with that uh, as prosecutor, and people want to know why, uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't get a bigger, uh, you know, jail sentence 12 years ago. And I can give you the answer. You're not going to like it. You won't like my answer, but I can give you the answer. Things were different 12 years ago. That's the bottom line. People, for whatever reason, some of you have a hard time understanding they're not hold they're not trying him now for the first time in our in in the way we're looking at things now it was looked at differently back then 
You can't go back and change that. That's it's called history. It's called history. So, you know, they did what they thought they should have uh, done. And I've got, and tomorrow I have all of the sound that I'm seeing today from Acosta standing up and giving this press conference on Fox right now. In fact, can you bring up Fox right now? We can listen to just a little bit about what's going on here. Here's, here's what he's, what's going on with him right now. The United States to litigate cases through the Department of Justice. And if former U.S. attorneys responded to media inquiries about pending cases, and this is a pending case, there was a live and there still is a live civil matter. If former U.S. attorneys responded to media inquiries all the time, we'd have havoc in our justice system. You can't have a Department of Justice as a litigating entity with U.S. attorneys giving press statements. Now, your follow-up question may be, why am I talking today? And the answer is this has clearly reached the level where I thought it was important to have this kind of press conference to take questions um, and, and, and to, to provide these facts and these perspectives. And I understand that individuals may say this was not enough. Um, but this is the way it was viewed, not only by me, but by many back in 2008. All right. There you go. Okay, that, that's what you're going to take that down now. Uh, we'll have the sound for you tomorrow. Bottom line, he just said what I just said. It was 2000 and what, 2008, 12 years ago. And it was different 12 years ago. Got to keep that in mind. You've got to try to think, take things in context. It's like yesterday when the Bible guys were on and somebody, somebody asked a question. You've got, they, and they pulled two verses out of Scripture. Well, what do you think about And you said, you got to take it in context. One, you got to look at where the Scripture appears with Scripture in front of it and the Scripture in back of it. Secondly, what was going on at that given time? So hard for people to get that together. So Alan Dershowitz was all part of this. All right, back 12 years ago, he talked about this. He was trying to defend uh, Epstein's 2008 sex crime plea deal in a first TV appearance that he's done since this latest indictment. Here's what Alan Dershowitz had to say. Good morning, Tony. Yeah, Alan Dershowitz vehemently denies the allegations uh, brought against him by Virginia Gouffre. He says he had no idea about the extent of the allegations against Jeffrey Epstein when he took on his case back in 2008. But he says defending controversial clients is just part of the job. Did you ever see Mr. Epstein with underage girls? No. Oh, no. If I had ever seen Jeffrey Epstein in any inappropriate situation with an underage girl, I would have terminated my relationship and turned him in. No way. So you're obviously surprised by the allegations. We were shocked by the allegations, but as a criminal lawyer, being shocked by an allegation doesn't mean that I won't defend somebody. Alan Dershowitz helped negotiate what many have criticized as a lenient plea deal for Jeffrey Epstein in 2008. Dershowitz denies the deal was a bargain, instead arguing prosecutors lacked the evidence to indict Epstein for federal sex trafficking charges. They thought they would lose, so they, they made cut a deal. deal. And for them, it was not a bad deal. They got him to be a registered sex offender, to pay vast amounts of money to all of the women, and to get him to plead and go to jail and expose him for the world to see 
as a sex offender. I think the feds thought it was the best they could do. An in-depth investigation by the Miami Herald in November uncovered police records alleging Epstein molested dozens of underage girls. One detective told the paper the evidence supporting the girls' claims was overwhelming. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about this being a result of Mr. Epstein's wealth and power. Do you think anyone else would have gotten this sort of deal? Oh, I think a lot of people without the power and wealth might have gotten a better deal. His prominence, his fame, made it clear that the prosecution would work very hard to get the best possible deal they could. Look, wealth is a two-edged sword. It helps you put together a very good legal team, but it also puts you in the public eye in a way that makes the prosecution work very hard. But this deal was kept very much under the wraps. I had nothing to do with that sure, right. part of it. But legal, ethical, you'd go back and make the same deal and you think it, it was all squared away. I would try to get a better deal. The job of a criminal defense attorney is to try to get the best possible deal. Part of the immunity deal left open the avenue for mm -hmm. civil charges to be brought up against Mr. Epstein. Any idea how many civil cases have been brought against him, how much money has been paid out? I wasn't involved at all in the financial aspects of it. I'm a criminal lawyer, not a civil lawyer. But from what I know, tens of millions of dollars uh, were paid out to many, many alleged victims. Dershowitz is seeking to throw out a defamation lawsuit brought against him by Virginia Roberts Gouffray, who accuses him of participating in Epstein's alleged sex trafficking ring. Dershowitz says he has proof Gouffray is lying. The same woman that accused me claimed to have had dinner with Bill Clinton and two underage girls on Jeffrey Epstein's island, claimed to have met Al Gore and Tipa Gore. Secret Service records show that all of that is fantasy and made up. This is a woman with a long, long record of lying for money. There you go. All right. So that and this is going to be a big deal. No, that's going to be a big deal. People think that the guy got off. 12 years ago, let's, I would like somebody to do, uh, a, I don't have the money. All right. If I had, if I made as much money as people think I make being a talk show host, then I would do this. I would hire somebody. I would hire a private investigator, but, uh, you know, go back. And after this happened, uh, with Epstein over the last 12 to 13 years, how many different laws have been passed dealing with human trafficking? I can tell you, because I, I helped fight the battle, uh, most people didn't have a clue what was going on in trafficking of underage girls in this country five years ago. We're talking about 12 years ago. I mean, uh, David Meeks, I worked with David Meeks. David Meeks has been an untiring advocate for young women, young boys who have been trafficked and uh, has done a lot of work with that. And we've had, I think it's the Phoenix Foundation on that deals with this particular issue. We've had women who have been caught up in this here on my show and I think they will all tell you it's only been recently uh, that it's really gotten uh, the kind of um, attention it should have gotten because before it really had not. 
you talk to police departments and young women were being busted for prostitution, not rescued from uh, being uh, trafficked. Just something to keep in mind. Times change. As you heard Dershowitz say, the prosecutor, prosecutor team thought they had a great deal. He had to register as a sex offender. Uh, they, they let these women speak from, uh, from the witness stand, and everybody got to see all the sordid details. Uh, he had to pay. He ended up paying tens of millions of dollars to the to the victims. He went to jail. Now, all that happened, and everybody thinks that that's a sweetheart deal now, that he should be you know still in jail forever and ever and ever. Always remember, historically, it wasn't looked at that way twelve years ago. In fact, I think it was probably one of the first cases, big cases, dealing with this subject that people ever heard was going on. I am not trying to defend uh, sex trafficking. What I'm trying to do is saying that the people that were involved with this case years ago, when most people weren't even paying attention to this kind of stuff going on, uh, you know, did the best they could under the circumstances they were handed. All right, Dave Ellswick show. It's about twenty four minutes after two. We got to get our first break in. Let's do that. Then we'll come back. And I thought BET founder Robert Johnson, fantastic, uh, yesterday talking about President Trump. You're going to hear him when I come back. On the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, let's get to to uh, the BET founder. How long is that? Take a look at that, Zach. We can get it in. Okay, BET founder Robert Johnson talking about the Democratic Party and believing that it has moved too far left. You think? I think the economy is doing absolutely great, and it's particularly reaching into populations that heretofore have had very bad problems in terms of jobs, employment, and the opportunities that come with full employment. So African-American unemployment is at its lowest level, uh, Hispanic unemployment, women. So I, I give uh, President Trump, and I've said this before on Squawk Box, I give President a lot of credit for moving the economy in a positive direction that's benefiting a, a, a large number of Americans. I think the tax cuts clearly helped uh, stimulate the economy. I think business people have a little bit more confident in the way the economy is going. And I think it's beginning to have some impact globally. Uh, we still have some issues to deal with with the China trade negotiation issues. But overall, if you look at the U.S. economy and you look at the number of people who are no longer in, in, looking for jobs, but uh, now sort of seeing the opportunities for job growth, uh, you got to give the president a, uh, an A-plus. It's nice to hear somebody being honest about what President Trump has done instead of trying to politicize everything and making it look all bad. Uh, because Anybody who looks around and pays attention to what to what's happening in the country has to admit 
that things are not as bad as the Democrats are trying to make it. And what the Democrats keep trying to suggest they want to do is to, they want to take us back to when we were losers again. All right. Make America lose again. Magla. We call it Magla. All right. I think that's what it is. Magla. Get a shirt. I got to get a hat made of M-A-L-A. More after the news. That's coming up next. Hey, dude, tell me about your good friends with Jake Hatley. So, like, where was he at? In Dallas, where he was running into at Whataburger, like all these uh, former big-time wrestlers? Oh, yeah. He was in um, Dallas, Texas for the, uh, it was a TNA uh, pay-per-view event. He was down there for, a, I believe, an, a con and um, for another event that I can't think of at the moment. But basically, you know, he was at Whataburger and... Some of the wrestlers decided to come there, you know, just to get something to eat after the event. So evidently, he ate before they got there because exactly. there would have been no food left <laughs> if he had tried to get something after they had ordered. I guess you could say that. But, yeah, you know, he was there before them. And, you know, they just showed up and he basically geeked out. <laughs> he geeked out. We got to talk and, uh, and get Jake in here one day. Yeah. Jake's a great guy. Be great to have him here and uh, and sit and talk to him. All right, so I bring up food in sports because uh, Forbes magazine covers college athletics and, and education from a business point of view. Let me read this headline to you. 68 gallons, 6,800 gallons of milk, 2,120 pounds of beef jerky, Behind D1 college athlete diets and spending. Unlike some of their classmates who stick to three main food groups, instant noodles, cold cereal, and dining hall french fries. Strike the dining hall french fries. I didn't eat them, but I did eat a lot of cold cereal and a lot of instant noodles. I will tell you that. Uh, D1 athletes. Um. Going back to the story here. I lost it. Got to get it back here. Ends up spending a ton of money on their athletes. And here's the thing you may not have known. The Razorbacks are tops in NCAA meal spending. I just thought, not, you know, pointing fingers here. I'm just saying this is interesting just an interesting story. The University of Arkansas spent $7 million on meals for athletes during a two-year reporting period that ended in 2017. So that would be 2016-2017. That's according to analysis of nutritional spending by Forbes that was punish, uh, published yesterday. The $3.5 million per year average is the highest in the NCAA, according to Forbes, Forbes $400,000 more yearly than Ohio State, which was second in spending at an average of $3.1 million per year. So where's Alabama? According to For Forbes, eight programs. Here we go. They're not even in the top eight. Michigan, Iowa, Texas A&M, Texas, Minnesota, and Kansas, in addition to the Arkansas and Ohio State, there's your top 10. 
average spending more than $2 million annually on food for athletes in 2016 and 2017. Now, the figures don't include money spent on athletes at away competition sites. It's only at home. It's only at home. The report stated that Arkansas athletes are provided two meals each day at the Jerry and Jean Jones Center for Student Athlete Success, a 55,000-square-foot dining and tutoring facility that opened back in 2015. Public universities are required to report how much they spend on meals for athletes each year. In fiscal year 2018, Arkansas spent $3.5 million on non-travel meals, a total that includes meal allowances in addition to food and the occasional, no, I added that, and snacks. Evidently, it's not an occasional snack. It's an all-time snack. <laughs> How do they stay in such great shape? I mean, the rest of the time, they got to be in the weight room, evidently. Uh, the Razorbacks uh, football team spent more than $1.4 million on meals in 2018. The highest, next highest spender was men's track and field and cross country at $353,322. Think about that, man. That's unbelievable. Wow. That's an incredible amount of money. So I have those top 10. You're talking about football now. Just football. Just football. And it's just at home, not on the road. There's no money that I've mentioned includes any travel money. Mm -hmm. Out of all those top 10 teams, only one team out of them has won a national championship over the past five years. Only one. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Texas won. Well, that was was 14 years ago. But I mean, over the past five years, it's Ohio State. Yeah. That's the only one. Yeah, the the top 10. Let me give it to you again. Number 10, Kansas. Number 9, Minnesota. Number 8, Texas. Number 7, Texas A&M. 6 is Iowa. Michigan is in there. Uh, And then, you well, there's got to be some others in there. It's just not all. Oh, it's just a top 8 program. Sorry. So number 3 was Michigan. Number two was Ohio State, and we outdid them by almost a half a million dollars. Arkansas, number one. That's crazy. We're feeding them good. You know who's you paying think for that, it, too. Well, here's the, well your ticket prices and all of that. Oh, Jerry of Jones is paying for it. Yeah, all that money. I mean, if you're pay, if you're paying that much to feed them, don't you think you should be able to get a couple of four and five star athletes to come here, just knowing <laughs> that they're going to eat good? I mean. I mean, Alabama's not there. You're that right. That is true. They're not there. Damn, Clemson is not there. It's nope. just, that's wild. They're, they're not there. Who else is not there that we were thinking? Notre Dame isn't there? Were, yep. Goodness, I mean, gosh. You see, Clemson won last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama's number two. Yep. Notre Dame was what, number three or number four? One, or two, three, or four. I'm going to say four. And then who beat Notre Dame? Was it Clemson beat Notre Dame? No, well, yes, Clemson beat Notre Dame. Then they went on to beat Alabama. The, yeah, and Alabama beat who? Did they play Georgia again? They didn't play Georgia, did no, they? No, I don't think so. Okay, I don't remember. I have to I, check, but but let yeah. me let me look at that. And I think that I'm going back to this story. Let's look here. 
Michigan Big Ten, Iowa Big Ten, Texas A&M SEC, Texas Big 12, Minnesota Big Ten, Kansas Big 12, Ohio State Big Ten, Arkansas SEC. Out of the eight, out of the eight teams here, three are SEC, five. Five, is it five or four? Let's see. Michigan, Big Ten, Iowa, Big Ten. Yeah. Minnesota, Big Ten, Mm -hmm. Ohio State, Big Ten. That's four. Yeah. So it's four, three, and one. Three Big Twelves. Unbelievable. I cannot believe Alabama or Clemson. It's not in How about Georgia? Yeah. How about Florida? Yeah. I mean, just LSU? Exactly. LSU, those boys can eat. Now, you know they got all that. They've got those big offensive and defensive lines. Those boys can eat. That's true. I don't know. That's it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I just come across this story. It just popped up. You know, I, I, I've got filters on my phone. Yeah. About if something comes up about Arkansas sports, mm-hmm. I see it immediately. And that's, yeah. that story jumped up. And it's from Forbes. And Forbes is a really reputable publication right and i just went whoa goodness i told i told zach i'm going to talk about food and football and he just kind of looked at me like i'm nuts but that's just a great story isn't that why you listen to this show to you who are listening on the radio to you who are watching me right now and i'm looking at you on facebook this is why you watch you don't hear this on the other radio stations maybe on sports talk you might they might get on it Right. But uh, definitely not on the other news station. That's news crazy. Talk. That ain't going to happen. Just not going to happen. I don't have the latest National Enquirer thing to talk about. Just saying. Just saying. But inter- and really interesting. Okay, so let's see. we got to get a break in. What do I want to By the way, I wanted to make a, a point about a lot of people get, and I'm one of them, okay? Not, I'm not real pleased with defense lawyers and how they manipulate the system sometimes uh, to get uh, better deals for their, for their clients. However, everybody, according to our Constitution, deserves a fair trial. And that's why one of our founders, John Adams, defended the British soldiers who fired on the you know in the Lexington in the square there in Boston the Boston massacre you know we hear about that and when we all think about it we go can't believe it was you know those bastard British shot our you know our people well not so fast John Adams defended them because the colonists were throwing rocks at them. And doing all kinds of things. They were threatening to to kill him. And so he was able to prove to a jury, not of their peers. There weren't a bunch of British, you know, uh, they didn't ship in people from England for the jury. It was colonists that were on the jury, and they found them not guilty because uh, of that. Because John Adams said, you deserve a fair trial. Now, I'm just telling you, back in the day, back there in the 70, when was it, 74, 75, 74, 70, yeah, whatever it was, whatever the date was, I don't remember. Uh, bottom line, 
I'm sure people said, can you believe Adams stood up for those murdering British? Can't believe he got them off. Just saying. Back with more in a moment. All right, back with you. Rosie O'Donnell on The View the other day. All right. Made a statement about Biden. You know, I've been talking about Biden, and I, I saw the poll today, but you, you put all the polls together and Biden's still leading. I don't believe that's going to happen for much longer. Everybody is attacking the guy. Everybody is attacking the guy. And when you just got somebody talking about him on TV and this is what you hear, you know his time is short. It's hard because you can't want Joe Biden and all of these ideas that are being pushed out by the persons in second, third and fourth position currently in the polls at the same time. Where are you guys? I agree. I think that Joe Biden should say, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to be an elder statesman and I'm going to advise. And then whoever is the nominee, I think, should think about how to best use somebody with the experience that Joe Biden has in all these years of politics. But he's not the future of the Democratic Party. And I think we have now until we get a nominee to figure out who that person is. And in my opinion, it's either Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris. Well, you backed uh, Warren. Yes. Is that fixed? Or are you open to either one being the, the Warren or Harris? Rosie's in. Yes, that uh, either one of them, I would be very thrilled to, to stand behind. I'm really for Elizabeth Warren. I think her plans that she has for just about everything and all that she did with the big banks and corporate shakedowns. Sure. She, she was a, a leader in so many ways and still is. And I think she's formidable against Trump and all of the money that she's raised from non lobbyists mm-hmm. you know the it's pretty astounding to me what she's been able to do politics is not plans it's persuasion you know this yes um the metric is who beats this president every poll that comes out says joe biden beats the president in the latest round really it's head to head with everybody else mm-hmm. except joe biden right. so how does that not make him your future well, because he's antiquated in a lot of his thinking, a lot of his beliefs, a lot of his history is a, is a long time ago. And I feel like it is time to pass the torch, like Eric Swalwell said. It is time to pass the torch. And I, I don't think 80 years old is an age to be starting a presidential job. I, I think you have to be 35 and there should be an ending he's point. He's 76, but I take your point. All right. Wow. Let me tell you what. People listen to that kind of stuff. Let me quote again. Biden's antiquated with a lot of his thinking. It's time to pass the torch. That's what a lot of younger, and I'm going to say younger being 40 and lower, Democrats are thinking. Are they the ones that will go to the polls during the primary or will it be more older voters who traditionally go to the polls more than younger, although during the primaries, the young folks can be all fired up at times, and a lot of them show. Now, she likes Elizabeth Warren. I'm not a Warren fan. Heard Warren, you know, talking the other day about some of the different things she believes. Well, she made a statement about, she made a statement about Israel yesterday. 
And this really sours me on Elizabeth Warren. Hi, we're American Jews. We really love the way you're fighting corruption. We'd really love it if you also um, push the Israeli government to end the occupation. Yes. Yes. Excellent. So I'm here. Thank you. Nice to see you. Nice you hear what she said? I will end, but she committed, all right? I will end Israel's occupation of the West Bank. Elizabeth, go read your history. How did Israel get in, get in control of the West Bank? You need to go do your history. A lot of that is the result back of the 60s when the Arabs were trying to force them into the sea. Tried twice. Didn't win either time. Almost did when they caught him uh, during Yom Kippur. But other than that, the Israelis have done a good job of protecting their land. Can't believe that she would say that. But that's the new Democrat Party that we have now. It's like they don't even, they they shouldn't exist. I mean, if you give give them Golan Heights and stuff, the, uh, the Palestinians, you might as well just tell all the Israelis to pack up their bags and, and go home. The Golan Heights sit above Israel. And uh, Hamas and Hezbollah could just rain missiles like rain uh, down on them. You ever seen the movie The 300 Spartans? At the end, they got them at the, they got them, there's only about 50 of the guys left and they're in a, they're in a group and the Persians have them completely surrounded, and they call the archers forward, and they just rain down arrows on them until everybody's dead. That's what you're talking about here. This Elizabeth Warren, she just pops off sometimes and no thoughts at all uh, to what, uh, what she's saying. All right, finally, uh, here as we finish up our our uh, first hour, because we're going to have a lot of guests over the next few hours. Kim Hammer's coming. Uh, how long is the McConnell cut, number seven? Okay, it's short. All right, so let me, uh, he talked about reparations the other day in the uh, the Senate. Here's what he had to say. Were you aware that your great-great-grandfathers were slave owners in Alabama uh, before the Civil War? And has that revelation caused you to change your position on reparations? You know, I find myself once again in the same position as President Obama. We both oppose reparations, and we both are the descendants of slaveholders. Great answer. It's a great answer. Did you know that your great-great-great-great-grandfather was a slave owner before the Civil War? And does that change your mind about reparations? Play it again. Here's his answer. Were you aware that your great-great-grandfathers were slave owners in Alabama uh, before the Civil War? And has that revelation caused you to change your position on reparations? You know, I find myself once again in the same position as President Obama. We both oppose reparations, and we both are the descendants of slaveholders. And so a lot of people don't know that about President Obama. On his mother's side are slave owners. Nobody's asking him this question. How come? 
because the lefty press doesn't want to ask it to him and try to embarrass him. They're trying to embarrass uh, McConnell. I think he gave a very, very good answer. Booker says, uh, those Republicans, they don't have any, uh, you know, they, they just, they don't, they'll say anything. Well, it's the truth. What he said was the truth, period. If it's the truth that bothers you, then you're the one that's got the problem, not uh, McConnell. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, um, I just, that's one of those gotcha questions. Well, I'm going to get you. Say, I'm going to ask you about your great, great, great grandpappy. He had slaves. Does that make you think differently about reparations? Uh, stuck here. I mean, don't want reparations and. You know, I have some ancestors that own slaves. Can't do nothing about that now. Can't. And really, do you pay reparations for something that happened 150 years ago? Think what kind of door that opens. I mean, there's plenty of people out there that bad things have happened to them, uh, not as as a person, as an individually and maybe corporatively, what about the Chinese? We built the railroads on their back. Should we pay them reparations? Just silly. Just silly. Bad things happen, and you just got to deal with it. All right. Take a break. Come back. Kim Hammer, join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. Waiting on Kim Hammer. He's supposed to be here. Uh, he was also, from what I understood, he had some kind of meeting at the Capitol. So he may have gotten out and he's on his way. I just texted him to see where exactly he is. So we're hoping he'll be here shortly. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, just took a, a look at the whole thing. Here's what, here's what McConnell has said about reparations. All right. It's 150 years later. All right. No one who's alive today has truly been impacted uh, by slavery 150 years ago. We fought a civil war over it, almost tore the Union apart, and it was the most costly war we basically have ever fought as far as the number of people who were killed, North and South. Uh, the North, uh, the North won. Slavery got, was gotten, gotten rid of by President Lincoln. And then we've passed civil rights legislation in the 60s. And we've elected an African-American president. I think that we've moved along a long way. I can't speak for every individual here in the, the United States of America. I can tell you the whole thing of racism doesn't even cross my mind. Zach, when we sit and talk, do we look at each other and see color? Do we ever see color? He's shaking his head no. If, you, if the camera was on in his studio, go ahead. Tell him you said no, that they know I'm not making that up. And no, we don't. All right. We don't, man. We're good buddies. It's, it's amazing to me uh, about how people want to hang on to this still. I, I just don't get it. It, it was a terrible Terrible, terrible time uh, for uh, the United States of America. But I believe that we've done a lot. I, I don't, 
look, there's there's not a person alive today, I believe, that's black that can say things are as bad today as they were before we had Civil War. I'd be asking you, you know, what you're smoking because it's not even close to the way it was. It's not even close to when I was a much younger man. I mean, I'm talking about when I was in my, uh, you know, I was just a boy. When I was a boy, we're talking about back in 55, 6, there was racism in the South. I'll be the first one to admit it. I went at 13, which would mean uh, 60, 13, around 64, somewhere in that area. I took a bus trip down to visit my brother in Gulfport, Mississippi, at Keesler Air Force Base. I rode Greyhound. Back then, Greyhound was a viable way of traveling. Not to get on the bad side of Greyhound, but I wouldn't ride Greyhound now if you bought me free tickets and and fed me steak dinners every time we stopped. But I'm just telling you that um, I rode on Greyhound. And uh, on several of the buses I rode uh, in the South, I was the only white face on the bus. I had great conversations at 13 with a lot of those riders on that bus. And, uh, but I will tell you this, that uh, racism lived then because you get off at the Greyhound bus station or whatever, and I saw the way people treated people. I'm not blind. I'm not. I'm not uh, stupid either. And a lot of people treated black people inferiorly. A lot of white people didn't treat black people inferiorly, but uh, it was still a bad problem. I don't see that today. I unless it's happening in some somewhere, <laughs> I'm not going at all. I've I've not seen that kind of over. Racism, when people were calling people uh, names and things of that nature. I mean, I grew up with that stuff. A lot of my family's from the South. I heard I heard that kind of stuff. I have a brother that uses that language at times. He's been, uh, he and I have had the conversations that that's just not stuff you say in my household. I won't have my kids hearing it. And it doesn't happen anymore. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up with a, with a family had background in, you know, of being racist. I'd be the first to admit it. I'm sorry that it happened. Uh, but I also can look back and I can see where and how they grew up. They grew up in Kentucky. They grew about, you know, my dad grew up in West Virginia. Things were different there than they were up in Northwest Indiana where I grew up at. So uh, there was an ongoing learning process for them. What's so funny is by the time my uh, father passed away, some of his best friends were black guys. A lot of that changed when he found the Lord. And uh, the church that he went to uh, had a lot of uh, black folks that went to it, not off uh, too far away from Churchill Downs. I don't know the name of the church. Uh, my parents lived on Whitney, and uh, 
you know, we uh, we had had talks for a long time, but after my father met Jesus, I'm just telling you, the racism fell away like a bad coat. And uh, he'd go out with with black guys uh, to visit people and to talk to them about coming to church and talk to them about the Lord. Didn't have a didn't have a racist bone in his body then. It was an amazing transfiguration. It really, really was. So, you know, for the people who think that I'm nuts because I do believe that Jesus is a live person and he dwells in me and whatever, I can tell you I've seen the work that Jesus Christ does in people. The world would be a much better place if people would, uh, would accept Christ as their personal Savior and their Lord. A lot of people get the Savior part. A lot of people don't get the Lord part, though. Just saying, Zach. Zach's smiling at me. <laughs> Zach smile. You wouldn't believe some of the, the, the conversations Zach and I have, man. Are you still reading 1984? Yes, I am. I got like 80-something pages left, and I'll be done. And Is I'll it a get scary to... book to you? Yeah. Is it scary when you read it and you see today? Yes. Yeah, I'm it's just truly, saying. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Once I'm done with that book, I'll get to one second after. Oh, yeah. I'll be next that's up. a that that will unnerve you. I'm just telling you the book he's talking about, written by I think was a colonel, or lieutenant colonel. I'm not sure. Former retired, but bottom line, it's what would happen. Uh, and I'm not going to belay this discussion because I scared the living bejeebas out of a lot of my listeners uh, several years back. I had people calling in tears that day on the air uh, about what would happen. Or if an EMP happened, and uh, that's an electronic, uh, electric, uh, magnetic pulse, it would literally stop most everything that we're doing. I mean, everything. Your car wouldn't run, probably, unless you got an old old car. Um, the way that supermarkets are taking care of the computers would be all screwed up. You know, the way they, they literally order food every day to keep the, the shelves stocked the way they want them stocked and stuff. Your medicines, the records for your medicine, a lot of them would go away because this would just erase a whole lot of stuff. And the bottom line was that, uh, you know, things would go sideways really bad. And a lot of people, as you know, if if law is not around, uh, they try to take advantage whom they think are the weaker people and uh, gangs and things of that. Uh, you know, people marauders would be traveling across the land and things of that nature. And there's a book about that, and it is a sobering look at it. And we haven't done enough to protect ourselves about it. And that's why the guy wrote the book. But uh, he's about. We're, we're making him read all the, the really good horror books, 1984, One Second After, you know. I got to get you to read Stranger in a Strange Land. That is a, a great book uh, as, as well. All right, it's uh, 16 minutes after 3 on the Dave Ellswick Show, waiting for Kim Hammer, supposed to be with us. Is it Robert that's on the line for us? No? Bob. Okay, Bob and Conway. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm very well, Dave. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Say, uh, I think uh, I th- my comment is I think all this talk about reparations is ridiculous and, and, and ludicrous. You know, from my point of view, uh, 
my heritage is Irish, and the mm-hmm. Irish brought potatoes to this country. I want reparations for my kin bringing potatoes to this country. Well, you like potatoes, don't you? Get get uh, reparations. How bad the Irish retreated. They were they were right behind the, the the black folk here in this country about how they were treated. Margaret Sanger wanted to get rid of all of you. Well, we just want a, we just want a little compensation for the potatoes, the French fries, all rotten. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, Bob. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I, I mean, he makes a, a very valid point. Uh, you know, we talk about slavery uh, as far as an African American experience. I'm just telling you, it's been rough for a lot of people in this country. A lot of people. And you're talking about the Irish, you know, the Chinese, I mean, Native Americans. It's been tough for a lot of people. And uh, a lot of people have risen above that. They're not, they don't have their hands out. They just, uh, they just pulled up their, pulled up their, uh, their shoes and got with it. And did it. That's what you got to do. By God's grace, you can you can make your life better. But you got to want to make your life better. Go out and do what's necessary. You're given. You're in a country that gives you the opportunity to do that. I mean, that's. I mean, look, the guy from BET that we had on earlier that was talking about how uh, the 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 left is going too far left. And he was talking about uh, the economy and all of that. Do you know he started BET with a $150,000 loan? $150,000 loan. He sold it a few years back, $13 billion. Everybody has opportunities. Now, I'm not going to say you're going to make $13 billion. But I think that if everybody puts their nose to the grindstone, I know I do, I know Zach does, I know others, and I'm not worth no $13 billion, nowhere near it. I could probably cover my expenses if I lost my job for three months. Then I'd be, you know, totally flat broke. I don't think that's ever going to happen because... Whenever I lose a job, I'm already out the next day looking for a job. And I'll take a job that'll help me pay the bills. And if it won't pay the bills, I'll take two jobs until I can pay the bills. It's just, it's, it's who I am. It's what a, how I was raised. You know, I, I believe in the old work ethic. I believe in that. Just the way it goes. I mean, look, I, I thought I was going to be retired now. I'm, I'm 66. I thought I was going to be retired by 65. That's what I was shooting for, 65 years old. And then the big bubble burst about housing and all the rest and the 401ks went south and whatever, and I lost mm, other than about $3,000 all of it. And I was in about $45,000, $50,000 that I had in 401. And I lost it all. Well, guess what? I'm still working. And uh, I was talking to my, my wife the other day, and I told her, I said, you know, I got my fingers crossed. I got my, this is my joke, okay? Zach, you love it. It's, it's my joke. Got my fingers crossed, got my toes crossed, got my eyes crossed, okay? That uh, I'll be able to retire at 70. 
That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm shooting for. But there's no guarantees. Look, nobody's going to go out and and hold me back. I'm I'm going to be working hard towards it. That doesn't mean that we w- might not have an economic downturn. It doesn't mean that somebody that's a nut you know nutcase over in, in who knows what part of the world decides to decides to take us on or something, and we get into a war and uh, inflation strikes and thing. I there's no guarantees. My guarantee is that I got. Jesus on my side and no matter how good or how bad it is he's standing right there with his arms around me showing me the way okay that that's that's what keeps me going all right 22 after three it's the Dave Ellswick show Kim Hammer not here so maybe just you and me but that's okay I like hanging with you on the Dave Ellswick show Just got a press release, Arkansas Treasurer of State Dennis Milligan, uh, chosen by the National Association of State Treasurers Executive Committee to serve as the Southern Region Vice President through the remainder of this calendar year. Milligan replaces former Georgia Treasurer Steve McCoy, whose term as Treasurer ended in May. Now, he's in, in his role as Vice President, Milligan will facilitate regional meetings, mentor new treasurers, serve as the liaison uh, between members of the Southern Region and National Executive Committee. Uh, in a statement uh, that he wrote out and was put in the press release, Milligan says, I'm humbled and excited about the opportunity to serve my colleagues around the country in this role, and I look forward to helping bring my team's innovative mindset to the executive committee. You uh, all know that Milligan was elected treasurer of state back in 2014, reelected in 2018, and the uh, state treasury responsible for overseeing the uh, state's uh, portfolio, which is valued at 4 billion dollars and since taking office in 2015 milligan has receded the state more than 278 million dollars in investment returns and has grown the investment portfolios receipts to some of the highest levels in nearly a decade a whole lot better than cherry pie wouldn't you say from uh, schaffner you know schaffner or whatever her name was yeah schaffner you know She's still in jail, I think, isn't she? I think she's still cooling her heels in jail, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, some somebody knows out there, they can call 8230965. Tell me I'm right or I'm wrong. Because to be honest, I don't care when it comes to Martha Schaffner if I'm right or wrong. I mean, that woman, what a waste. Uh, Larry Kudlow uh, was speaking about the Fed Chair uh, Powell's job uh, Powell came out today and made a statement that uh, seemed to say they're going to lower rates again. Um, again, here's Larry Kudlow. And, uh, you know, well, we don't have enough time to get it in this, that long, huh? Okay, so we'll get it in the next half hour. I'll come back. It's over three minutes long. I, but I, don't, I, do, I, I listened to it. I want you to hear what Larry had to say. It's important that you hear it. Can we can we mention about uh, can we play cut ten? Is that long enough? That's short enough. None. Everything's long today, huh? Sanders had something to say about Styers. You know, Styers is going to came in yesterday, so he's going to run for president. 
And Sanders had some pretty choice words for him because he's got, you know, he thinks he's got as much money as God. Of course, God owns all the money. So what can you say about that? And then, uh, you know, Warren uh, also said that uh, everybody's got to be responsible for the kind of campaign that they run. And we could get to that hopefully in the next uh, half hour as uh, as well. All right, it's Dave Ellswick's show. We uh, There's a lot of stuff out there to talk about today, and we'll get back to it uh, in just a moment. I got a lot of sound to play for you here on the Dave Ellswick show as well. Best way for me to talk about all of this is that uh, bottom line, uh, the best way for you to hear or to make up your mind what people say is to hear what they're saying. So we try to play a lot of sound during the uh, course of all of this. See, now there's another big story just popped up. Makes no difference to me. Clinton dined with Epstein while president. The news is next. All right, back with you. By the way, we want to remind you, uh, the fish started raising money for the Salvation Army. And uh, they're doing this thing uh, about Red Shield and all this other stuff. And nobody came to even talk to me about this. And um, I called into their show yesterday, the the morning show with uh, uh, Brittany and Bethany, pardon me, Bethany and Steve, and, and kind of complained about it because I have been a huge supporter uh, of the uh, Salvation Army uh, since about 2003, 16 years, I've I've done. If they ever came to me and wanted to needed to raise some money, I was all up and ready to go for it. And kind of kind of hurt a little bit that I wasn't asked to be part of it. And uh, I called and was talking to them, and I said, I don't understand why they didn't ask me. I'm like the I'm like the uh, the Vlad Guerrero, you know of, uh, you know, raising money for them. I mean, Vlad hit 91 home runs on Monday night. By the way, we didn't even talk about that, Zach. The home run derby was incredible. Did you watch it? Dude, you missed it. You really, it was great. Between Alfonso and him, that was amazing. And between him and Jock Peterson, it was amazing. But anyway, uh, I I, I digress. There goes that rabbit. I'm chasing it. Uh, But the bottom line was, is that, uh, I, I need your help now. Okay. So I'm in on this now. They, they have let me in on this. So how are, how are we working this out now? We, people go to our website. Is that it? Is that how they dedicate uh, their money? Go to one Oh one, one FM, the answer.com play the play the spot for us. That's the best way to do it here. We're going to play the spot real quick for you. And, uh, this tells you exactly how to do it. I need your help. Uh, I'm trying to raise 500 bucks. I'd like to do it by Friday. That's how I'd like to do it. And I and as I as as a lot of people know, uh, when I come to you all and start talking to you about uh, nonprofits, you respond. And I hope that you respond for Salvation Army. I used to be Red Cross guy. But we all know the mistakes the Red Cross made after 9-11, and I turned my attention 
to uh, the folks over at Salvation Army and been working with. Here's our spot on this. I'll tell you exactly where to make your donation to. 101.1 FM, The Answer, is offended that we were not included in the latest campaign to help the Salvation Army with our sister station, 93.3 The Fish. So we're asking our loyal listeners to help us out donate the morning show on The Fish. Hey, log on to our website, 1011FMTheAnswer.com, and make a donation to the Salvation Army. We're throwing down the gauntlet. Help us win the Red Shield Showdown. You can also make your donations at All Aboard Restaurant, Little Rock, and Benton. Hey, let's show the Salvation Army who's boss yeah and that's the bottom line um i took this one a little personal don't typically do that but this one i had to take a little personal because i've been working with salvation army 16 years come on now and not even mention this to me i find out about it uh like what was it late monday night yeah i think that's when it was i talked to him yesterday tuesday yeah late monday night so we're behind. We're three days already. There are three days into it. So I need your help. Again, we you could do this all online by going to uh, you know 101.1 FM, the answer, all one word, dot com. You'll see where you go to make your donation. Uh, here before late tomorrow, I'll get it on my Facebook. So you can do it from Facebook as well. Uh, and I'm going to cut a little uh, video that we can put on Facebook and and run it for you as well. I really would like you to help out the Salvation Army. Don't have to give much. You give, go, just can give a couple dollars. That's fine. Give five dollars. That's better. Give ten. Cool. My history has always been to ask for a twenty. Okay, if you can give a twenty, you know to get to five hundred dollars. Don't take long. You know, to get the $500 and $20 donations. And uh, we do several thousand dollars at Christmas time uh, for uh, down in the, the Bryant area and uh, in the Saline County for uh, kids down there. So uh, won't you help the Salvation Army? Be cool if we could do a couple thousand. That'd be even better than 500. But I, I promised them that I really push for 500. So that's. That's what I'm what I'm sitting at. Okay, so uh, it's about twenty minutes till four. Uh, again, make your donations at you know one oh one one FM the answer dot com. If you would make a donation, I would be very, very appreciative. All right, promise I play this part uh piece by Larry Cudrell. Uh, a lot of people thought Fed Chairman uh, Powell's job was in jeopardy. Larry says that's not the case. Uh, but there's going to be some changes in rates coming up. And I, I'm just telling you, if they drop rates, interest rates, you think the economy was hot before? Holy cow, you won't believe what's going to happen. Well, that's an interesting last point you make there. Um, I, I've been leading the search, the selection uh, for the two open seats on the board. And I think you're quite right. There's no shortage of candidates. You're absolutely quite right. Um, One outstanding candidate uh, was quite interested, but he's already running a Federal Reserve Bank, and he wondered if he could be a governor and continue to be the president of a reserve bank. Are you talking about the Bank of England or the European Central Bank? I'll never say, but it was... uh, (laughs) I 
had to exercise some executive guidance to say I didn't think that was really going to happen. Could someone like Mario Draghi be our Fed chair? Is there any reason why not? Um, do you have to be a citizen? I'm asking you. It's a delicate point nowadays. <laughs> he would... Um, is ECB, where is it? Frankfurt? Brussels? I don't know. Frankfurt? Frankfurt. So... You've got Mark Carney. He's apparently might be elevated to the IMF, leaving the Bank of England, but I don't know if the president feels uh, as warmly about his tenure as about we Draghi's. Could, we could probably, I'm not sure where you're going, but we could probably give him green cards. I don't know if that'll work. Um, that was a joke. Just, just kidding. Uh, I don't That's know Mr. Joke. Draghi. I do know Mr. Carney. Sad that you guys um, say that now. My statement doesn't necessarily mean overseas, but I, I will simply say that to your other point, I, I think the Fed and I think the new management at the Fed in the last uh, year or so is not so far from the view that I'm expressing. I think that um, the Chairman Jay Powell and Vice Chair Richard Clarida have, in their public speeches, expressed A lot of skepticism about the models to which you're referring. A lot of skepticism. Now, I know some of those messages are mixed, and you've probably got lots of brilliant Fed watchers out here, but if you read carefully and listen carefully, and I guess Jay will be in front of Congress this week and we'll hear some more, but they're having a lot of questions about some of these, you know, what should the unemployment be, what should... Uh, P star B, what should R star be, what is the right neutral rate. So I'm not so sure that the view I've expressed on price signals or the views the president has expressed is necessarily so far from where the Fed is. So Jay Powell's so sure. job is safe? Yes, I believe it is. I will say that um, there is no effort to remove him. Uh, I will say that unequivocally at the present time. Yes, he's safe. Larry Kudlow, as you listen to him, and, and let's, you got to figure this, all right? First of all, he is very media savvy because he, uh, of course, uh, has been on television. He used to have a radio show. In fact, when I was PD at another radio station, I had that show on the radio. Uh, he is the kind of guy that speaks straight and honestly. And, you know, he he's looking at, the economy and just shaking his head at people who are poo-pooing it and saying, uh, he said, I think it was two weeks ago, he doesn't know in in what, you know, time these people are living. They're, they're living in some other dimension because they're seeing things that he's not seeing. And that BET gentleman, Mr. Johnson, former owner of BET, said basically the same thing. Look, everything's going good, man. What the heck? But, you know, you just got to understand in the political times we live in and the politicization that we're seeing that this is the way things are going to be. I mean, that's why Kudlow said in the uh, um, um, interview there, that's a joke because he was, you know, talking about green cards. He had to say that because somebody who wants to report something negative 
uh, would use that. They could pull it out and take it out of context and make it uh, sound, uh, you know, as though he were serious. Because let's just face it, Larry is not the most, he's pretty dry when it comes to humor. But yeah, it that just a sad thing as far as that's concerned. I look at that and I go, hmm, nah. You know, when you look at everything that's going on, I'm pretty happy with the way the uh, the economy's going now. I'm good. I'm with it. Totally. All right, so uh, Biden was up. I played that piece from Rosie O'Donnell which said Biden's in, in uh, antiquated uh, with a lot of his thinking. It's time to pass the torch. He was out talking about people in jail, and then he makes a state. See, this is a thing about Uncle Joe. That's what everybody calls him, Uncle Joe, you know, Joe Biden, because he's your crazy uncle. He says crazy stuff, and this is a perfect example of this. Listen to what he says about incarceration. This is cut number eight. My name is Keith Albert. I'm an ACLU Rights for All voter. The ACLU. I'm an ACL member too, and rendered about 100 percent throughout the whole year. That's awesome. So you're familiar with our program. We, the ACLU, has a roadmap for cutting incarceration by 50 percent through reforms that have been endorsed by both the right and the left, including four other presidential candidates and many conservatives. Let me show do you commit to cutting incarceration by 50 percent if elected? We can do it more than that. We there, there should be no uh, look. Get again. Get his name. I'll send you exactly what my program is. Is it a yes or is it a yes or no? Yeah, the answer is yes. Thank you. Well, I got a better plan than you guys have. I, I can't wait to hear okay. it. Okay. You say 50. I can do you better than that. I can do more than 50%. Unbelievable. You know, as I listen to these people, and look, I want to make sure that we have a system that is just. You know, I don't want people cooling their heels in jail if they don't need to be. But to so wantonly say, oh, I can cut incarceration by more. I've got a program that we can cut it by more than 50%. What they are saying is simple. That one out of every two people that are in jail don't deserve to be in jail. Zach, let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that one out of every two people that are behind bars shouldn't be there? Not sure about that. Yeah, I don't believe it. I do not believe that. Now, I'm not going to say that maybe um, one out of five shouldn't be there because you look at our the drug laws that we've had at times and things of that nature, and maybe somebody's there because they had a small amount of, of uh, cocaine, and some people are behind bars now from the 90s that had crack cocaine and somebody else that had powder cocaine that was the same amount as the crack cocaine. Uh, the crack cocaine the rock people, uh, you know, got an anvil dropped on their, ha- their head while the people with, you know, small amounts of powder cocaine got a slap on the wrist and a fine and were uh, told to go home. I'm just saying, I know that there is there is some, uh, you know, not uh, just decisions made. How do I know that? Because it's man running it, man. 
That's the big deal. Did you know that people make mistakes? Did you know that everybody makes mistakes? That there's nobody but one man that walked on water that was perfect? I'm just saying. There's been mistakes. There's no doubt. We've seen people that have been in jail for years that were set up. We've seen that. I don't deny that. But one out of every two, you're going to have to prove that to me. You're going to have to dispute it. I'm going to dispute it because what that tells me is probably what they're doing is they're saying, well, if we let all these people go and this person's in there and it was a white-collar crime, nobody got hurt, he really shouldn't have been spending it or her should have been spending it or maybe uh, chronic prostitution or a drug addict. And because they were a drug addict, they were out stealing stuff. And we can't really blame them because they were a drug addict. You know what I'm saying here. You know how people try to talk things down. Just saying. Just saying. I cannot believe that it's one out of two. And I don't think we should be just opening the doors to our jails and letting, in the case of uh, the former vice president, more than 50% of the people in jail let them out. Mm -mm. Don't see that happening. Just came across a uh, story that just broke, and I've got it in front of me now. Uh, California governor signs bill extending health care to illegal immigrants. Yesterday, we had a guy by the name of Chris on, called in from Virginia, had health problems, couldn't get insurance, couldn't afford it, number one. Number two, uh, if he could, he didn't know if it would cover what he had. Uh, anyway, here's here's uh, what it says. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law State Bill 104, which now extends health care benefits to illegal immigrants between the ages of 19 and 25, in addition to the law that already had guaranteed coverage to, to illegal immigrants under the age of 19. The Hill notes the bill introduced earlier this year is estimated to cover about 90,000 low-income residents overall and comes with a price tag of roughly $98 million. The bill states, The uh, federal Medicaid program prohibits payment to a state for medical assistance furnished to an alien who is not lawfully admitted for permanent residence or otherwise permanently residing in the United States under color of law. Existing law requires that individuals under 19 years of age enrolled in a restricted scope medical at the time the director of health care services makes a determination that systems have been programmed for implementation of these provisions be enrolled in the full scope of medical benefits if otherwise eligible. Existing law requires the departments to maximize federal financial participation in implementing these provisions. This bill would extend eligibility for full-scope Medi-Cal benefits to individuals 19 to 25 years of age, inclusive, and who are otherwise eligible for those benefits but for their immigration status. He was elected, by the way, uh, last November. Before that, last August, he said that he planned on expanding Medicare to cover every Californian 
even illegal immigrants. Newsom stated, I like to see if we can control our own destiny. Not naive about it. I did universal health care when I was mayor, fully implemented regardless of pre-existing conditions, ability to pay, regardless of your immigration status. San Francisco is the only universal health care system for all undocumented residents in America, and I'm very proud of that. We proved it could be done without bankrupting the city. I'd like to see that we can extend that to the rest of the state. He went, He doubled down on it, in fact, when he said, I did universal health care when I was mayor, fully implemented regardless of pre-existing condition, ability to pay regardless of your immigration status. I want to bring that to the whole state. Wow. And the Democrats want to bring that to America. That's what they want to do. They want to take over the whole health care system, period. They don't want to have any health care or health insurance uh, businesses at all. Put them all out of business is what they say and let the federal government take care of everything. You know, they can't even keep our, our highways in good shape. That doesn't give me much hope for keeping my health in good shape. So Dave Ellswick show duck will be here in the next hour. Talk a little cars. He's going to join us. Jerry Cox final hour from the family council talking recreational marijuana. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to deal with some just common sense things about cars now with, with Duck. And you need to listen up and take take note of what he's going to tell you. One of the things he's going to talk about is, uh, you know, wiper blades. And it's important that you keep checking them because we're now into that really, really hot temperature where, you know, your windshield is you know 140 degrees 140 150 yeah and it's it's literally rotting your uh, wiper blades on your car so i'll just turn it over to you you don't want me me telling them everything uh, duck you go ahead you know and on top of that dave we've got all the sand and the dirt that's flying in the air we're fixing to get a storm coming up through new orleans and there there some people say it's four to five inches some people says five to six inches so you know, before this storm hits, you need to come by and let one of us check your wiper blades. And just pull in. We'll be more than welcome to walk out, check your wiper blade. And if you need some, we'll put you some on. Well, I, can, I tell you what. I've heard that the rain's supposed to get here about Sunday night. Yep. and uh, or, sun, or Sunday sometime. And we could expect two to three inches. Yep. Because there is a uh, grade one hurricane <laughs> brewing in the in the, uh, in the Gulf. In the Gulf, and it's going to, it can either, and the reason that they're not sure how much is because. They don't can, know where it's going to land. Yeah, it can, it can make landfall from New Orleans over to Galveston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and what I was looking at. And then it's going to move northeast. Yeah. So, okay. And that's going to turn it right on top of us. And another thing too, Dave, if you got a car that the battery is, we'll just say three years old. Yeah. You need to go in and let us put it on our machine and check the health of your battery. Because batteries, as you know now, Dave, you can pull up and go in the grocery store and come back out, and it's dead. And yeah. it started fine when you left home, but that's the way they, that's the way all new batteries are now. They just work in one minute and dead the next. And if it's four to five years old, before you get stranded somewhere, or your wife gets stranded, or your daughter, or your kid, just come in to one of us, and we'll check it right quick and tell you how hey, you're in good shape. Go ahead and go. Because we can look at the health of a battery. 
through the computer and tell you what's going on with it right you know it's pretty you know it's pretty easy to do too i mean you know you can just come in and maybe 30 minutes we've got you pushed back out the door and sent you back on your way uh, same way you know with a hot day like we've been having these 100 degree days your oil and your motor is real hot yeah. it's running 250 degrees without any trouble and it breaks down a whole lot quicker let's put it this way if you pulled the plug and we held your hand under the car and let the oil fall, it cook your hand it burn all the hide off of it yeah it burn it down to the bone shortly i mean quickly. it is it, it, hot hot yeah. hot yeah most of them you know they're running 250 degrees and it takes that motor once you pull up in your driveway on a hundred degree day and you turn the motor off it will take it five hours before it gets cooled all the way down hey you can you can walk out into the garage a couple hours after you and it, that car's still ticking still radiating heat on tick, you tick 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 yep. as it's trying to yep. get Steady, cool cooling down and you know it just uh you know if you're running the air conditioner at a red light watch your temperature because if it starts coming up you need to cut the air conditioner off and get moving again because you've got coolant fan problems it's to this day from now until we'll save september the first we're gonna have some some hot days like we've been having the last couple the last couple of days have been miserable they're going to be miserable the rest of this week and yep. they're saying next week we could well, see some hundred degree days yeah. and you know so it's called summer in arkansas <laughs> you ain't kidding in it and we've got our fair share yesterday i got a guy doing some dirt work over at a house that i bought and he called me and said, hey, my, I blowed a hole in my track hole. Can you come over here? See yeah. So I got two shade trees over there, and we couldn't nurse it to either shade tree. We had to do it sitting out in the middle of the hot. Oh. Took me and him about four hours to put that hose oh. on because it, it's got to be wrapped and fished and pulled, which I unbolted it, tied a rope around it, pulled it out, left my rope in the hole. We went and got a hose made and went back. Like I said, it took us about four, four and a half hours before we got it back. That's up where you're just standing and the sweat's dripping oh, off of you. I couldn't even wear my glasses because I was trying to bend over a little bit and look, you know, where the hose, and finally I just pulled them off because they stayed. But, you know, you just think about it. When it's 100 degrees outside and that sun's blaring down on your body, what it's doing to your vehicle. You know, not only that, if you got some tars, that's kind of – on the iffy side yeah, these yeah. hundred degree days i was coming in and it was 18 water sitting on the side of the road and them blew two tires out because these hundred degree days you know that, that concrete's running 130 140 and you're running down the road at 70 mile an hour your tar is getting somewhere in the 220 230 <sighs> you know temperature range it's hot yeah and, and it's gonna if it's not a real good one it will disintegrate come apart on you so keep the air up on them you know that's the biggest thing nowadays is keep them married up to to keep them together if you're if your car and i know that all of our you know the new cars have some kind of technology that will tell you when you should change your oil but if it's really really hot out is it beneficial to change your oil a little earlier than you normally do no no, no, because that computer is sitting there and it's taking, you know, how fast you drive, what the outside temperature is, what the temperature of the motor is, and how much dirt stuff's been run through it. It's taking all that in consideration and it will tell you 
Okay. So it's up. making those yeah, it's, those calculations. Yeah, it's making all those calculations in the computer. And it and it's amazing that you can take a computer and put it on a vehicle and it can take five or six things in consideration and tell you time change your oil. When the light comes up, go get it changed. Don't I have had people come in and say, Hey, I done an oil change going down the road a while ago because they re tripped their button because it come up and said, Hey, you got I think mine comes on at fifteen percent left and Hey, I changed my oil running down the road two weeks ago. I don't get, I don't even get to fifteen percent. I take my car in when it's at thirty percent. I usually catch mine between twenty and thirty. It just depends on how busy the guys are when I can poke them around, make me right? Get them to do get that. One of them because they they'll put me on the back burner for somebody else. Well, sure, you know, and, and that's, that's okay. your rule. Yeah, and it, yeah, that's it's <laughs> kind of my rule, but you know. uh that is a good thing if you go get your oil change and they don't put a sticker on it don't be upset with them if you got a fairly new car it'll tell you when to change oil again because they reset it i went over to joe's and got my oil as you know as we've we talked about that uh we were on that afternoon on a wednesday mm-hmm. on the third and i i went over and he was able to get me in and change the oil and uh the uh, the technician that was doing it, uh, he went to get one of those stickers, and Joe goes, "You know, he would come in here when it tells him yep. to get here, and even before." <laughs> I, yeah, and, and just that way, and like this new truck I got, yeah, I, you can go down through the screen down to the information, and it'll tell you how much how much brake pads left on it. They all got new. They got sensors wow. made into the pad. I think mine. I looked at it the other day, and it's in. It's got like forty, uh, right at five thousand miles on it. And uh, I've had it five weeks, six weeks, somewhere along in there. And it says I got ninety six percent left on my brake pads. I know I don't have that. I got to probably go see Joe and have him look at them because i was looking at changing them a couple of weeks back he looked at him says no you still got some time on these yeah because well you're the same way there's no reason not to use all the pad it's no reason not to use it up till you get down to about an eighth of a pad when you get down an eighth of a pad okay the squiller's gonna be squilling at you okay it's time to put them on yeah see that's not happening on my car i'm not hearing anything or anything and you probably still got a quarter of a pad left or maybe a little bit more I, I don't tell people, I tell people you got 25% left or you got key. 50% Why left. Why would you change it at, let's say, 30%? And once you've done it three times, you've almost thrown away a good pad. You've thrown away a whole brake job. Yeah, a whole brake job. You, you don't know. want to do that. But you don't, there again, Dave, when it starts squealing, you don't want to keep running it. Now, that's a different story because if it's it squealing. Because it will get in and eat the rotors up, and yeah. then you got to buy a pair of rotors, which now, day and time, I can tell you, Joe can tell you, anybody... You go about every three brake changes. You're gonna put rotors on it. Well, yeah, because these hard not brake pads, as much. Yeah. Oh no, yes, rotors, they used to be. Oh no, rotors used to be 150 dollars a piece. Yes. Now you can buy them for 50 to 60 all day long. Yeah. You know, without any trouble, and you know, there are some cheap Chinese ones on the market. There, I'm. That's you all. Get I'm, what you're paying. That's for. all I want to say. You'll get you'll get one set of brake pads out, and then you'll put another set on when you. Because they're just, they're just, it just eats them up. Well, they're just not made near as good as you buy a good Wagner. And that's what me and Joe uses Wagner products through bumper to bumper because they are a good American made product. All right. It's 17 after. Ducks here. We'll take a break. You got a call. 
Hey, look, if you got a question about your car, maybe it's doing something you don't understand why or uh, all this new technology that's on them, you might want to ask something about that. 823-0965. 823-0965. Don't be afraid. Duck doesn't bite. Yeah, just uh, remember that uh, Jerry Cox is coming up at 5 with us here on the show. Plus, for about five minutes, we've got the head honcho Fimfima going to be on just real quick to tell us what they're going to be doing about the flooding. So we'll have we'll talk to them, and then we'll Jerry will be here, and we'll just start talking to him. And I'm going to – we're duct taping uh, Robert Steinbach to the chair right now so he can't get out of the <laughs> studio, and we're going to keep him here. A lot of people don't know this, but the man is a law professor, but he's also a very good car mechanic. Mm. Isn't that right? It's not even close. Look at you. There not you. even close to being true. Is that not true? No. I thought it was true. How often do you change your wiper blades, Robert? Uh, whenever they start to streak. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's too late. <laughs> is it not true? Yep. Okay. How often should you change them? I tell my customers change them in the spring and change them in the fall okay and that way you've caught you've got new ones that go through the summer so when they stick to your windshield when you go out there and turn them on they <laughs> pop real hard there this time then they start changing them don't do that to mine because i unless i'm out like at wally world or something mm-hmm. like that i got a garage thank god for that and i park it inside so and they, they last long. They don't get brutalized. Yep. And here in you know, and, and they'll last twice as long as they do as one sitting out in that hot sun. You know, like sitting in a parking lot where there's no trees around, no shade ever through the day. They'll last twice as long. I was watching uh, one of the cop shows the other day, and this lady was down in somewhere down in the southern part of Texas, and she had her purse sitting in the front seat, Uh-oh. put her groceries in the trunk, and had a fob. Didn't realize. When she shut the trunk down, her five-year-old boy had locked the doors. Oh, no. Guess where the fob was? In the car. Yeah, and it wouldn't work because the fob's inside the car already. And she's panicking because it's, it's hot. I mean, yeah. you know, it's 120 degrees down there. And this cop come up, and then finally the, the, the chief come up, and, you know, he said, and they tried everything. They tried to pull the door open a little bit and trip it, and the cop said, hey, look, he kept shooting the window, kept shooting the window, said, hey, it's 120 degrees in this car. we got to do something. And she looked at him. She said, can you not knock the window out of this car? He said, yes, ma'am. Pow. Yeah, that's all he was waiting for yeah. her to say. And, you know, and, and, the, and the kid was fine. You know, the kid was fine. But, you know, in that situation, that, that car can get 150, 160 degrees. The good thing, this lady had had her windows real dark tinted. Yeah, that's that saved you some time. Yeah, that, you know, and, and when they got the car open, the car was still, I mean, it was warm, the cop said, but he shot inside and it was like 97 degrees. But now, that, and, I got a question for you. Robert might have thought of this from time to time. How dark can you make your windows? I thought there was a law about there that. There is a law. I mean, I see people driving down the road, you know, you can There are a lot of folks driving with uh, tint well beyond the legal You can't limit. see anything. Yeah, they, they, you can go to places and they'll put it on above the legal limit. Yeah, and they'll tell you you're on your own. Right, right. Okay. But the cops have the little deal. They open the door, stick it up on the inside the window. It's a red dot. I've not, but I've not seen them. There's too many people that have their tint so, so dark. Come that, on to Benton. 
they can't be doing it that often. Come on to Benton. Oh, really? the, the dark tint is nice in the in the bright day. It's actually helpful. The reason I would never do a dark tint is because I can't see I, at night. You can't see at night. Yep, I, it's crazy. I, I don't know a, how people drive. Like I had that. a truck one time, and I had the guy to do it. And I started home at night. It was in the, it was in the winter time. You know when it gets dark early. When I got home, I peeled it off. Yeah, it's because too I couldn't dark, see out huh? the window. Yeah, I couldn't see out the window. And and the, the guy about a month later, he said, "How's your film doing?" I said, "I took it off." Yeah, and he it's said, a, it's "Why?" A safety I said, issue. "I can't see at night with it on there." Now I want mine a little bit darker yeah. than what I got right now. I if just yours really is standard, do. you can go darker. If yours yeah. is what the I car came with, go. I want to go. Yeah, a little you can darker. go darker, but not. But the real dark ones that you see are actually illegal. Now here's the key, and I didn't know this until I was talking to the gentleman over at, at one of the places where they put tent on. The tent, all the tent that they put on is not necessarily knocking out the uv radiation you've got to get depending a, on which kind you got you've got to get a, a a you know a tent that takes care of the uv and yep. i'm just telling for your eyes sake get the uv rays knocked out because yeah. that attacks your eyes yes you know and and there again there is about 20 different people who make that stuff and some of that stuff is cheap made and and it looks good for about a month and then all at once, the rubber on your windows, you know, where your windows go up down to the rubber, you'll start seeing white streaks in it, and that's because it's peeling the color off of it. Yeah, the place that I'm going is it's something wraps. What what do they call? Rolling wraps. Yeah. And they use 3M products. Yeah, they use a good 3M product. And I got a guy in Benton that's out there on Congo Road. He uses a 3M product, and he'll warranty it for life, not to streak, not to come off or anything. I'm supposed to be going over and do another remote over there here in the near future. So I get over there, I might just talk to him about how much it costs to wrap it and let him do it while I'm on the air or whatever. I, but I want the UV protection, and that, that's huge. Well, not only UV protection, but Dave, think what it's doing to your seats. How much is saving the seats and your dash and all that because the the rays is not pitting things through the window and eating your seat backs up and, you know, and, and discoloring everything. Okay. It makes a big difference. Sun has its play day, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's well, happening right now. There, well, I was going to reflect back on a comment that Duck made, and we talked the other day about this article where the son of Bill de Blasio was complaining that the cops rolled up on him in San Francisco at 1 o'clock in the morning when he was spending 10 minutes trying to get into a keypad, into an apartment that didn't belong to him. It was a friend of a friend or something like that. But what I wanted to relate was, so Duck is describing aptly the story, how the cops came to help this woman get the baby out of the car. In other words, the cops showed up to help. Yes. And there was nothing in this article by Bill de Blasio's son that suggested the possibility when he was stuck outside by his own account of an apartment that wasn't his, trying to get into it by punching into the keypad incorrectly, that when the cops rolled up, they could have been there to help because the article said he got scared and he managed to figure out how to get in the apartment and then ran into the apartment. But And then he complained how he was in fear. I was intimidated. Right. But we don't even know if the cops were going to roll up and say, can we help? Yeah. yeah. You know, are, do you, are you supposed to be in this apartment? Show but, me where you live in this apartment. You but, know, and, and there again, you're still hung out to dry. Yeah, yeah it's, it, 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 the presumption is that the cops are the bad guy 
and they were out to persecute Bill de Blasio's son. Of course. Right? It's not as if there are... In every profession, I guarantee you this. Ten seconds. There's a bad apple. So it's not as if you could never find a bad apple. But overall, do I think cops are good? I do. do. All right. We got to take a break. Let's do that. Get the news. Come back. Duck's here. Robert's here. I'm here. You're here. All right. Back with you. Duck is here from Duck's Garage. Here in a couple of weeks, he's going on vacation. Yep. He's going to Kentucky. And we were talking, and I said, well, let's start. When you come across the border from Tennessee, first place you want to stop before you get to the White Castle, of course. (laughs) you got to stop at White Castle. But you got to stop in Bowling Green and go to the Vet Museum. Yeah, she's she's got a gang of them lined up, and I told her something that me and you had discussed that day. One of them I want to go see is the Ark. Oh, you got to go to the yard, see it. You know, That's as you're leaving the state, yeah. though. I, you know, I, there's <laughs> some of that I want to see, and then we're just going to take about a two-week ride in the motorhome. Now, if you're going out, if you're going to the east and you're heading towards West Virginia, because you said, I think you said you wanted to go maybe North Carolina. Yeah, we're going, we're, I don't know exactly where. We're just going to go wherever I get up that morning. But if wants if to go. you want to do that, okay, let me know. Because I went to school, as you know, in Moorhead, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Uh, I'll call a couple of my fraternity brothers, and they'll take you in the backwoods and show you some stills. I've, <laughs> I've seen them a time or two. <laughs> my, grand, I, my grandfather used to make it. I've got a couple. I got a couple of old fraternity brothers still lived back in the, in, as we call it back there, the holla. Back there in the backwoods. And they got it hidden. And they make some pretty good squeeze back there. I'm just yep. telling you. Uh, yep. It'll make you stand up and go, Spe- whoopee-hoo-hoo. Speaking of that, I was watching Moonshiners a few minutes last Are night. You really? It was on last night. I still, I see, I just think that's so fake. Oh, you know it's got I to mean, be. I mean, if on. you're putting your picture on TV. They, yeah, that's I what mean, I'm they, saying. They know you're, you know, and, and they're going to be in to see you, too. Yes, but, I would think so. But that's where, you know, that's where they, they started. Uh, you know the whole deal about what, uh, was it um, not drag racing? Um, our NASCAR started off of the yeah, guys that they ran. Were them. Yeah. yeah, they were running moonshine. Well, do you say where, if, was it Jack Daniels that the warehouse got struck by lightning and burnt? Oh, did it? Yeah, there was. I think I'm almost sure it was Jack Daniels last week, a week before, out in yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, struck one of the big warehouse, and now all all the liquor they was trying to put it out. Yeah, but then they decided not just let it burn. Because all the liquor was running down into the river into the lake, okay, and it was killing fish. So they, the uh, <laughs> uh, one day this week and I we seen it, and it was that burning. Stuff. Anyway, you know, it, it was burning. It took all the oxygen out of the water. Did, did you guys see the? Uh, you might have seen this, Robert, because you you look on the a lot of times on the uh, internet just at you know weird stuff that you see on the internet did you see that lightning strike of that sailboat yeah when it hit the mast holy cow dude man did you see how bright it was yeah it was bright all right man what if you'd have been on that boat whoever owned that boat better be glad they weren't on that boat yeah that's all i'll say because they would have been dead simply you know put. they ship tip you know talking about on you know on it said watch this lightning strike and i'm watching and i'm watching and then all at once Boom! Yeah, and, and, and the picture goes white. Yeah, and it's hard to even see it when oh, you yeah. slow it down. 
Did you yeah. see the golf court out in, uh, was it Nevada? One of them out there, it, one of the holes that had the flag sticking up. Yeah. The lightning hit the, hit the pole, and you could see the fingers on the ground where the lightning had, had come oh, down. moved out? Yeah, where it fingered out, and they was t- talking about it. <laughs> and the guy said, well, I'm proud. I wasn't standing around here. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. That's, I had a light, the, the closest lightning strike I've ever gone through. I was going to seminary. I lived in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, there was a really bad uh, lightning storm. There's a difference between a lightning storm and a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lightning was coming down. I mean, the, the ones where you can sit there and you see the bolts coming out of the sky. With, in fact, if you look at them slow motion, they're going from the ground to the sky instead yeah, of the sky to the ground. Yeah, it's not down from up to down. It goes from up from down to up. Yeah, where it goes. it's really bizarre. But anyway it struck on the street right in front of the house that we were living in did it burn it it put a hole in the in the street Man. it had been six inches deep and about uh, i would say what would you say that is six inches around yeah six inch diameter you, you just saw it blow the the street out of the hole it was a ama- and loud Holy cow, it was loud. Can you imagine if you'd been on a boat, you know, within two or three boats around that boat? It probably would have busted your eardrum. They said that was 54,000 degrees when that thing hit that boat. You, you know, could take a DeLorean back in time with something like that. Joules or whatever. Well, that you had gigawatts or something like that. <laughs> Banana peels, orange peels. Yeah, that's such a great Potatoes. movie. Potatoes. That's a great movie. But, you know, bottom line was is that people just don't real people get struck by lightning and live through it i don't know how that happens well don't try it at home folks right <laughs> meaning it from time to time people also get killed by lightning well, and lose, yeah and they and those that live often have significant nerve damage and or lose a limb internal organ damage because it's you know it's it's fried it's so hot it's so hot yeah it just fried and you know it's blowed the bottom of their feet out and burnt the soles off their shoes and everything and and you know the body works on electrical impulses and so you shoot all that electricity through the body and it does severe damage but speaking of lightning dave yes 30 years ago you could take a car and you let it get hit by lightning wouldn't hurt it not so much now today today's world computers i have spent high as twenty thousand dollars on a vehicle to get it back around again well i was sitting you should have been here was it the first hour I was talking about that? About one second after? Yeah, yeah. Electric, uh, electrical, you know, magnetic pulse. You know, talking about that, you'd have one of those in the United States. Cars would stop running. Everything. Everything would just go. Refrigerators would quit running. It would be the day the earth stood still. Your refrigerator would quit working. I know. I understand that. You yeah. t- take any new refrigerator and open it up the back of it, it has one to four printed circuit boards in it. And it'd kill everything. So is it, would you say you should get in and and put a piece of aluminum foil around it? I think you should put a piece of aluminum foil around your head if you're worried about that. 
You no, know, like the I'm aluminum foil hats? They're no, saying. Dave. What are you talking about? What are you, you're worried about a big EMP? A, the Russians are going <laughs> to blow an happen. EMP. Yeah, you know, a lot of things can happen, right? <laughs> California can fall off the United States. Oh, please. It can happen. I we could, can wish. You didn't hear right? about we that. We can wish. I talked about that yesterday. <laughs> we had people from California calling because we were on Jan Morgan's uh, Facebook page. And I said, are you a conservative? And they would say, yes. And I said, well, then I would give you a life preserver <laughs> in case the California fell off into the ocean. I want the conservatives to live, but right. Both not of so them. sure about everybody. Both of them. Right? Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, the two of them in California. <laughs> but, you know, it, I have seen cars get hit by lightning and trucks, 18-wheelers. The seat belt, it had to burn the seat belts retractors up on them. I fixed one one time, thought I was through, and the guy come picked it up. Yeah, got in it, started to drive off. Didn't none of us ever think about checking the seatbelts. Really? He come in and said, "Hey, my seatbelt won't come out." And I went out there and I thought, went around to the other one, and none of the seatbelts would come out. They were all fried inside. It fried them, you know. And wow. I had to call the insurance company and say, "Oh, we're not quite through yet." Okay, so uh, we're hearing. I'm hearing in the background. You might have heard over the radio the sound of the. Uh, distress signal that the weather system sends down to us uh we do have a line of thunderstorms here in arkansas that is north of us russellville looks like they just had to go through Uh, it's closing in on conway right now and uh it's a little bit north of it's between searcy and batesville i can show this to you you guys can can see the color yeah i I looked at it it on the facebook even on the way over david it started to rain the wind is picking up the sky is getting dark so here you can look out the window you can see it It, it's it's darkening on up outside i'm telling you what missouri is getting hammered right now well they've been getting hammered i mean they really are up there needs to quit because i need to go to hardy i gotta fix water leak on my cabin i got a roof leak and i patched on it and I'm going to unpatch it this weekend. I'll just tell you right now, if I was in Missouri, I would not want to be in Piedmont. <laughs> it's it does, bad. doesn't look like a good place to be right now, I'm just saying. we got to get a break in. we got to do a final break. We'll be back with more. Duck's here. Robert's here. Since Duck's here, I want to talk about something. I want to hear what he has to say about this as well. I'll get to the everyman kind of uh, response. Today, uh, Labor Secretary Acosta held a press uh, briefing about 12 years ago they uh they they found uh what's his name uh epstein yeah epstein guilty and uh, they got him to plead to being a sex offender and he had to go to jail every night 13 months and some other things and now people are looking 13 years backwards and are saying why didn't you do more to him and Acosta was trying to explain to it, well, I've got, I got Dershowitz. And Dershowitz was one of Epstein's lawyers, defense lawyers. And he will explain why what happened was pretty doggone hard back then. And we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll have 15 minutes to talk about it. Be a good time to talk about it. We'll do that on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so this whole Epstein thing's going on. We're going to get you into talking politics for a moment. That's fine. All right, we're going to talk justice as well. We're going to le- legal stuff. This happened. Epstein went to trial 12 years ago. 
Well, he didn't go to trial. He did a plea agreement. No, a plea agreement. Okay. Right. And Alan Dershowitz uh, defended Epstein uh, back there for his plea deal. That was back in, I think the plea deal went down in 08. They started in like in 07, 06, something like that. It's 12 years ago. And I want you to listen to Alan Dershowitz to try to understand, because he, he defends Acosta. You know, they're, they're saying that Acosta should resign because, of course, he works for Trump. If it had been working for Obama, they would have been saying, no, no. no. They'd pat him on the back and no, give him no a hug. Problem. Yeah, you got him in jail. All right, so anyway, listen to what Alan Dershowitz has to say. Well, good morning, Tony. Yeah, Alan Dershowitz vehemently denies the allegations uh, brought against him by Virginia Gouffre. He says he had no idea about the extent of the allegations against Jeffrey Epstein when he took on his case back in 2008. But he says defending controversial clients is just part of the job. Did you ever see Mr. Epstein with underage girls? No. Oh, no. If I had ever seen Jeffrey Epstein in any inappropriate situation with an underage girl, I would have terminated my relationship and turned him in. No way. So you're obviously surprised by the allegations. We were shocked by the allegations, but as a criminal lawyer, being shocked by an allegation doesn't mean that I won't defend somebody. Alan Dershowitz helped negotiate what many have criticized as a lenient plea deal for Jeffrey Epstein in 2008. Dershowitz denies the deal was a bargain, instead arguing prosecutors lacked the evidence to indict Epstein for federal sex trafficking charges. They thought they would lose, so they, they made cut a deal. This deal. And for them, it was not a bad deal. They got him to be a registered sex offender, to pay vast amounts of money to all of the women, and to get him to plead and go to jail and expose him for the world to see as a sex offender. I think the feds thought it was the best they could do. An in-depth investigation by the Miami Herald in November uncovered police records alleging Epstein molested dozens of underage girls. One detective told the paper the evidence supporting the girls' claims was overwhelming. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about this being a result of Mr. Epstein's wealth and power. Do you think anyone else would have gotten this sort of deal? Oh, I think a lot of people without the power and wealth might have gotten a better deal. His prominence, his fame, made it clear that the prosecution would work very hard to get the best possible deal they could. Look, wealth is a two-edged sword. It helps you put together a very good legal team, but it also puts you in the public eye in a way that makes the prosecution work very hard. But this deal was kept very much under the wraps. I had okay. nothing to do with all right. So I can, we can jump out of that because I want to talk about the, all of that. I, I'm just, people try to look back 12 years and say, he got off free, basically. And the fact was, he didn't. You had to listen to what, what, what did Dershowitz say? They didn't have enough under the laws of that day to get him. To prosecute him. Yeah. Here's the thing, Dave. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, and so everybody's looking back and they're saying that it was too light a deal. I don't know if it was too light a deal. I don't know what the evidence was. I don't know what laws they were charging him under. Dershowitz offers the opinion, as you describe, that it was not too light of, the, of a deal given the evidence that was available. That may be true, and Dershowitz is very smart, but we also have to be cautious because Dershowitz on television wears two hats. 
often he's a commentator. He, yeah. uh, he provides an independent viewpoint. Here, he's speaking as the former attorney for Epstein. His client. Right. So he's not able, he's not permitted. He's got to be very quiet about it. Yeah, he's not allowed. He has to choose his words rightly. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he can say something in defense of Epstein, but he can't say something contrary to that, even yeah. if he believes it. So his statement may be true. But we're not 100% sure because he's not entitled to say the opposite. And the other thing of this is Epstein's going to go up again. They're going to try him, it sounds like. And if they do, he, he could screw the whole the, the whole trial. The guy couldn't get a fair trial if he went in and said, well, yeah, yeah, I know that he had all these girls and all that. If he went up and said that, the same, Costa said the same thing today. He's got to be very careful about what he says. <clears throat> what he it. says. That's right. That he could uh, screw right. the pooch. He could actually damage the ability of the government today to pursue the charges that they're pursuing. So he has to be very cautious in what he says. But the the, the broader point is right, and that is we don't know what happened 12 years ago. People are raising the question, did he get a sweetheart deal? It's possible. It's possible. But just because... We know more today doesn't mean he got a sweetheart deal. That's what needs to be examined. Well, here's the key. Now he won't get that kind of a deal because... Of his fame. Think about, well, not only that, but think about all the laws that have been passed in the last five to eight years about sexual trafficking. That wasn't even on anybody's radar screen hardly back then. Right. No, and I don't mean to cut it off just to the fa- – I think there are a, vari- a variety of intersecting factors that will ensure he will not get a sweetheart deal. The first – the fame point is simply that his case is now in the public's eye. So nothing can get slipped no. under. Yeah, he's no ground way. zero now. Right. Yeah. So it's got to be – They're gunning for him now. Well, it's got to – even if – and I think you may be right, but even if they're not – it's got to be above board. There can be no yep. marginal deals. It's got to be the safest they're, of deals. They're going to turn every rock over exactly. upside down exactly. to, to make sure this time that they do have him dead to right. Right. Uh, and it sounds, again, I don't know what the old evidence is. I don't know what the new evidence is. But the way the news reports provide, it suggests they have a lot more evidence now against him than they and have And there again, then. he's never been tried for that. They can't go back and do nothing to him now on that part. Right. Now, all the they, new parts they can. That's exactly right. For for those issues that he offered a plea agreement, what was it, eight years, a dozen years ago, whatever it may be, there's double jeopardy, meaning they can't try him again for yes. that. But what I understand from the news reports, nothing else, is that there are other events that they're charging him with, other assaults yeah. on other people, on other women uh, that he committed. And then, of course, every assault... And every individual is a separate claim, a separate cause of action. And it's an accusation. It's not criminal until it's proven. Until you're found well, of guilty. Course. We don't that's right. He is innocent until proven guilty. Now Absolutely. he looks guilty of sin. That don't matter. It doesn't matter. You our constitution guarantees you a just trial. And of course, on the point that you raised just a moment ago, Dave. The, the Democrats in Congress, they're just so transparent. Wait, something happened? Uh, we think he needs to resign. Acosta, that is, right? It's just such a quick knee-jerk reaction. Listen to how they play people. What, what's the other thing to do? Oh, I think what we'll do is we'll pass a law to make equal pay for female athletes. Give me a frickin' break. 
I mean, come on. You well, can't you even hear, do that. Did you did you hear the captain of the team was on one of these television shows and they said to her, the interviewer said, what can we do uh, to get your pay up to that of the men? And she said, well, more people can come out to the games, more people can yeah. buy the T-shirts, et cetera. Which et cetera. we had talked about. Exactly, which means... Oh, so right now you guys aren't earning the same money as the men's team and therefore aren't getting paid the same as the men's team. Surprise, surprise how a market works, yeah. right? Strawberries are in higher demand <laughs> than rocks. So we pay more for strawberries per pound than we do for rocks. And you'll pay even more for them this time of year because they're not available as easy. Nowhere is around. Exactly. That's the way it works. Doc, hey. Thank you, Dave. Let's do it again next week, huh? I'll see we'll you next that. week. I'll bring in. I'll bring. I'll bring him back in here. Yep. We get can you, have a ball. Get you going, man. We can have a ball. <laughs> All right. Thank you, we Dave. We come back. We're going to talk to FEMA guy for about five minutes, and then uh, we're going to talk with uh, Jerry Cox for the rest of the hour, and we're going to talk with Robert on the Dave Ellswick show. We'll do it again here after it's hit. It, it's just crazy that people don't have flood insurance. Let's talk about the levees. Our levees are are kind of scary. Evidently, people haven't been doing what they're supposed to be do, uh, doing. Does FEMA work on that part of it, or is that all about the Corps of Engineers? So, the, so there are some partnerships there. It depends on who's got the legal responsibility for the levy. If it's a Corps-owned levy, then, then the Corps of Engineers will, will work with the uh, local jurisdictions to look at making repairs, working on those levies. If it is something that the local government or the state government has responsibility for, then if they properly maintain that levy system and it got damaged during this storm, then we potentially will have funding available to help them be able to make those repairs and, and in some cases bring them back up to current codes and standards if they're not already up to that current code and standard. All right. So I guess, I guess my other question is, cause I asked this of uh, the governor when he was on and that is as they go back now and debrief on all of this, do you think there's a possibility? I remember in the nineties when the Mississippi flooded and I, you may remember, I don't know how long you've been with FEMA, but the bottom line is it was terrible. But, uh, the, the federal government told a lot of people in places along the Mississippi river if you want to rebuild in those areas, you go right ahead, but there's not going to be anybody that's going to insure you or anything because this is going to happen again. I mean, there has to come a point where the government, and whether it's state or, or federal, tells people we can't just cover you for loss after loss after loss. Is that not the case, and might that happen now? So a couple of things. Uh, obviously, we, we want to make sure that uh, and from the local government perspective, there's good uh, land use uh, codes and standards in place. So we're looking at what are the threats and hazards. And, and where we've got se- severe repetitive loss where people have flooded multiple times uh, through our hazard mitigation grant program, can we look at maybe relocation or buyouts for those individuals who have flooded? Also, under substantial damage uh, estimation is if they flooded and their home is, is greater than 50% damaged, uh, they may have to elevate to now current base flood elevations to be able to get that property up out of harm's way. And then uh, the last piece is to look at flood mapping, be able to map special flood hazard areas that would either require um, for, have a requirement for flood insurance or look at, at the, you know, the building standards that would be imposed in those areas. So we certainly want to ensure that we're mitigating and taking people out of um, high-risk areas. All right. Tony, last uh, last question. If somebody has questions, 
Is there uh, somewhere on a website? Is there a phone number they can call? Sure. So uh, you can call our helpline if you've already registered for assistance or or you have not. You can call 1-800-621-3362 or for the hearing impaired, that's 800-462-7585. We also have 10 disaster recovery centers operating in Arkansas throughout the state. Uh, You can find those by going to www.fema.gov forward slash DRC locator, Disaster Recovery Center locator. And also encourage people to download the FEMA app. You can find out where we're locating in Arkansas. You can also program in five different zip codes where you can get uh, weather warnings uh, for five different locations for you and your family to be able to get uh, current weather warnings. All right. Sounds very good. I appreciate your time. I promise them no more than 10 minutes. I think I'm good on that. Tony Robinson from FEMA, thank you very much, and we appreciate your time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Great, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye now. Tony Tony Robinson here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Quick break, then we'll be back. Jerry Cox is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick. We're just sitting here during the break talking about the past, and we're talking about KAAY, and we're talking about Beaker Street, and we're talking about Ray Lincoln, and because I got to work with Ray, and that was just that was a a big time for me on the radio. To be honest, he was a a legend. Yeah, to, I would to, have to loved to have been on KAAY back in about nineteen sixty five yeah, or somewhere they, back there when they were a Clear Channel. Still, yeah, they still are Clear Channel yeah. station. Little known fact: Do you know that they were the radio station that the people involved in the Bay of Pigs were listening to to hear? The special command that the said code. that the Bay of Pigs was on. Wow. That's Evidently, I didn't know this, but Kennedy came down here and visited at that wow. first, at one time. What, what, what history? What it history? is. It is great history. Yeah. It really is. All right. Let's talk about You said on, on your press release, it says, on Tuesday, activists in Arkansas announced plans to propose measures legalizing recreational marijuana. Has David Couch been talking again? Well, uh, I'm not sure that uh, that this is David Couch as much as it is Melissa Fultz, as we oh, all know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. it's Melissa. Okay. Yeah, and um, and uh, you know, I don't know who else is involved, but you know, Melissa and I get along great. We just don't agree on stuff. You know, <laughs> you know how that is. She's a nice woman. We we get along fine, and and all, but she and I have texted back and forth, and I've said, hey, it's nothing personal. But I just, we don't agree on this issue. And Well, you and I have talked about this. We both knew if they could get medicinal marijuana through, sure. this was going to come up. Yeah. I mean, we said, you know, years ago that the end game is recreational mm-hmm. marijuana because, quite frankly, it's market expansion for very powerful marijuana interests. And, uh, you know, I'm not accusing Melissa of, of that at all. But look at what has happened with medical, so-called medical marijuana. It's big business. It is a big business, and this will mm-hmm. be the same thing. Uh, we're right where the governor is on this. The governor spoke the other day and said, we don't need this here in Arkansas. It's not good for our economy. And uh, there are just so many bad consequences that come out of this. And, Dave, you know, there's an emerging body of pretty solid scientific evidence that talk about the harmful effects of long-term use of marijuana, especially when people start at a younger age. And I think the Surgeon General of Arkansas would 
back me up on this, that memory loss, loss of IQ, even in some people, schizophrenia and other things are connected with that long-term use of marijuana. And so what? it's not harmless. It is absolutely not harmless. Just a joke. What? <laughs> what? 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 Was, what was that first point? Yeah. I'm just saying. All right, go ahead. And, and I need all the IQ points I can get. Well, I don't me, have any to spare. Look, I'm, I'll be. Everybody knows I've been real honest about this. Back in my college days, I I smoked so much marijuana that there are still third world countries that don't have grass huts. <laughs> but you know what, Dave? The marijuana from the seventies not the same. I understand. Not that. anywhere near the same. It's like a lot of other things. We have these super varieties that are probably ten times stronger. And when people say, oh, nobody's ever overdosed on it, I beg to differ because uh, now when they put it in food, it's like somebody chugging a, a, you know, a big you know, pint of whiskey or something like that. All of a sudden, it hits your system after you've consumed it. And the same thing is true with, um, with marijuana. Little kids especially will get into cookies and gummy bears and other things and they'll eat a bunch of them and then they end up having to go to the emergency room there's some notable cases and absolutely often the doctors don't know what's going on and they have to get this elaborate history and the babysitter said oh i took the cookies out of the cupboard and then they realize yeah the kids od'd on thc right right and so even if that were not true which it is uh we still have the whole issue of addiction um, and people say, well, marijuana is not addicting. Well, I don't know what you call it, but people do get hooked on using and smoking weed. And we all know that. And once they do, it takes away their drive and their ambition. If you have a bunch of people out here smoking weed, they're not going to do as well in school. They're not going to have the level of ambition that other people do. And it does affect their future. And so if you want to, uh, you know, inflict that on our society, then sign the petition and vote for this thing because it will be an affliction, I think, on our society if it passes. Yeah, well, if, if it's going to be, a, you know, a, if there, somebody's going to try to change the state constitution again, I got to believe that David Couch will be involved. He's, he's, the, he told us the, the two years ago. The paper said that Couch was sort of on the fence on this mm-hmm. issue because right. M- Melissa, whatever the last name is. I Melissa Fultz. Fultz, Fultz right. was pursuing this, and he had a little different take on things. Uh, so it's unclear what his approach on this specific issue will be. No, Dave, okay. I'll, give you my, I'll give you what I think is going to happen. All right, go. I think Melissa runs this measure. If it makes the ballot, it fails, and it fails primarily because it has a provision in there. To prov- uh, there's two amendments. But they have two, I believe, fatal flaws. Number one, it allows people to grow marijuana at home. Yes. And that's what killed the previous so-called medical marijuana measure that was on the ballot in 2012. When Roby Brock and others did polling after the election, they said, why did you vote against the marijuana measure? They said, because I don't want people growing it at home. Okay. And so Melissa has that in this measure. The other thing it does is it lets a bunch of people out of jail that have gone to jail on drug offenses. Really? And if, I, if I want to campaign against this, I just walk out here and I say it's going to throw the doors of the prisons open and let a bunch of criminals out. Do you want to do that? And the truth is, it says if you were sent to prison or jail for having up to a pound of marijuana, guys, that's enough to make over a 1,000 joints. Mm-hmm. And so people that went to jail for having enough marijuana to make a 1,000 joints are not just smoking it for the fun of it, 
they got to be doing something a whole lot more. And they're so making, they're making profit. Off. That's the Sam Club's version so. of marijuana yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, uh, so I think this measure fails. But what Melissa will do is plow the ground for David Couch ah. to come back with some powerful, powerful moneyed interests. And he'll say, well, I've got a little more reasonable measure here. It's not going to let people grow their own, but it will be recreational. And then it's game on at that point. Now, Melissa may be more potent than I think she is with getting this thing passed and not to be taken lightly. But I think the real threat comes a little bit later, just like it did with medical. Remember, they made a few runs at it Mm -hmm. before they finally passed it. And I see the same scenario possible with this now i got her number in my phone i need to give her a call see if we can get her on and talk about it yeah let's yeah. see what she's up to one interesting thing to, to ask is they told us over and over again it's not about recreational marijuana yeah they, they told did. us that over and over again it's just about medicine and now here they are out here doing recreational and i want to say i told you I, we, we we said that's what it's about what, and what changed right yeah so um, anyway all right so what what you're doing is basically preemptively getting the information out, just telling people if you're going around, they ask you to sign the petition, don't. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying we don't need to inflict this on our already poor state uh, because how it impacts a wealthier state like Colorado is a little different than how it impacts a place where a large number of people live in poverty. They're already just hanging on by a thread, and you hit them with another blow and people say well it's no worse than alcohol well okay if it is the same as alcohol do we want to create another avenue for people to harm themselves because we already know that alcohol causes a world of hurt i mean i realize it's a free country people can drink if they want but it does cause a world of hurt in many families do we want to create another opportunity for that and i say no Concern of mine regarding the legalization of marijuana is third-party effects. I remember when I was younger, I'm, I knew someone who was a school bus driver, and she actually told me every morning she'd get up and smoke marijuana before she drove a school bus. Well, that's just not safe, of course. And the, the difference between that and alcohol, and, and Jerry vadal, validly brings up the point they both can cause harm, is that it's much easier to tell when someone's been drinking correct. than when they've been smoking oh, marijuana. That's correct. So if you're at home smoking marijuana and ruining your own life, I don't think it's a good idea, but I tend to take a slightly more libert- libertarian approach to that. But when you're affecting other people's lives, that is third-party effects, that's that's a, a risk to society. Exactly. We have to consider that. Now, everything needs to be balanced or evaluated, but that's a real mm-hmm. difference there mm-hmm. that really needs to be considered. And that problem does not exist for the medical marijuana as long as it doesn't creep out beyond the medical sphere. Well, and there was a case not too many weeks ago where a couple left a child in a car and the child died of heat stroke. Come to find out they were using marijuana. They were high on marijuana. Now, I realize that could have happened with alcohol or prescription meds, a lot of other things, but it happened with marijuana. And so do we want to create, again, like you said, third party, injured, little kid, didn't do anything wrong, and yet you have a child who's dead because it got left in a hot car because mom and dad were smoking weed? All right, got to take a break. Come back. We'll talk about abortion next with 
Jerry Cox. And uh, Robert's going to stay here as well. Remember, Robert's over at UALR, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or of the university, although they probably should be. Let's go to the news. It's next. All right, we are back with you. We've got 25 more minutes with Jerry Cox uh, from Family Council. Jerry, let me just ask this. First question is this, because I asked Rose Mims this question. It stuns me the way that the left, and when I say the left, i got to include the Democratic Party. They're the left. Yeah, that talks about abortion now. They've gone, I don't know if I can say this, uh, hopefully. They've uh, gone bonkers. They've gone off the reservation. All right. So, you know, yeah. I mean, they really, really have. And Dave, the thing is, the science totally backs up. It's gone the opposite the direction pro-life on them. argument. I mean, it, okay. Put If you took all the morality and everything, just put it over here on the shelf and said, Okay, what is that that's in the womb? Yeah. If it's not a person, if it's not a human, then explain to me what it is. It has all the DNA. It has fingers and toes. And you know what, Dave? I uh, I have a copy of a Life magazine from 1965. Yeah. And on the cover of Life <laughs> magazine in 1965 is a photograph the of a womb. Yes, I remember uh, that. I, I, did, I figured you would. And and I thought it, it's the one of the first photographs ever taken of a live, unborn child in the womb. And it was, get this, 18 weeks. 18 weeks. And that's, that's, that's the, basically the heartbeat. And, and when you see that, I guarantee you, any three-year-old that looked at that picture, if you said, what is that? They'd say, it's a baby. I mean, it is apparent that that's what that is in the womb. And so when we've got the law passed this session that bans abortions after the 18th week, I held up that pro that, that magazine. I said, this is not a pro-life piece of propaganda. This is Life magazine from 1965, for crying out loud. They saw it. They understood it. Why has it taken us all these years to come to the same conclusion of what was apparent in 1965 and before? Yeah, well, it didn't. They've known it forever. Yeah. They've known it forever. I had, I don't know if we've got the piece. Did we, hey, Zach, did we save the piece from that feminist that was talking about abortion? I mean, it, do we still have that piece from that feminist that was talking about abortion? Oh, I think we talked about it. You and I talked yeah, about I it on it the for air. You. Right, right. Do we still have that piece, do you know, the, the, the sound of that feminist talking about saying that they have to figure out a way to talk about, you know, killing and not talk about it in a, uh, in a, in a you know a negative way. Mm, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying the way they it used to be. Yes, we agree. We want it. We want it to be rare. We want it to be safe. It's not that anymore, no, Jerry. No, no. They changed their 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 rhetoric uh, substantially, and what's extremely telling to me is um, Senator Trent Garner got a bill passed this session here in arkansas that says you cannot abort a baby just because the baby may have down's syndrome that's right and planned parenthood and aclu they're out here challenging this in court getting it struck down 
getting it enjoined. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we lived in a society that protected people with disabilities and handicaps Not and so forth. And, and yet you're going to say it's okay to kill these babies just because they may not be perfect. And that's a scary, slippery slope to get on because where does that stop uh, with, with abortion? And so I, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted that they would challenge that law. What amazes me, and Dave and I have talked about this before, is I will say to my liberal friends, I don't know if I have any leftist friends. They're mm-hmm. too over the edge to have a conversation with. I'll say, listen, I get that we disagree broadly in the abortion debate discussion, but can we start with some common premises? Mm-hmm. And if we can, and then you say we still disagree, I get it. I mean, right. I, I don't, I'm right. not adopting your position, but okay. Yeah. So I say, First of all, can we agree it's not broccoli, right? <laughs> can we agree that it's yeah. not broccoli yeah. and it's not cancer? Yeah. The thing that's inside the mother is going to be what you and I are. And right. If, if yeah. people yeah. listening say, oh, cancer, come right. on, right. hyperbole. Mm-hmm. No, it's no. not. No, it, you hear It this. is an argument from the left. Now. Oh, they say it's like mm-hmm. cutting out a cancer. Yeah. You've heard yeah. that, Jerry. Yeah, right? and they call it a health condition or whatever. It's like, no, it's a pregnancy. It's an unborn child. It's a person. All of that, all the science backs that up. What's scary to me is some of those people, not all, but some will, some will look you straight in the eye and say, yes, that is a person, but we still think they should be terminated. Now, that is scary. It's scary, but I appreciate the honesty because they're not denying facts. Right. How do you, right. Th- this is, I can't have a conversation with someone when they say, yeah, the sky is yellow. <laughs> well, but it's not. Well, I yeah. say it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. And, and, and I, I get where you're coming right. from. But and, it is, and, but, and I get where you're coming from. It uh, is scary. It, it, it's very scary. I had a law professor who said to me, this is years ago, he said, uh, it, I said, what's the difference between that and infanticide? He said, a little bit of fiction. True. Right. That's so at least true. He's, at least true. he's giving sort of true. an honest answer. True. And so, but a birth here, canal. Yeah. But here's what, uh, here's what's happening. Society is more pro-life today than it was in 1973 when Roe was passed. And see, I think the people that were pro-abortion thought it's game's over. We won. We got Roe passed. And, and on the heels of that, Dovey Bolton and some of the other cases, and they were like, we've won. And you know what? They didn't win. They didn't win in the court of public opinion. And now I believe they're eventually going to lose in court when Roe is probably probably dialed back. A, a lot of people think Roe will fall like a tree that you're cutting no. down. I think they're going to trim it probably uh, You know, when they get a chance. And I hope that our our 18-week ban here in Arkansas will make it up to the Supreme Court because Utah passed a law just like it. And if the Tenth Circuit out there where they are strikes it down and the Eighth Circuit upholds our 18-week ban, which they very well might, then you might end up with seeing these laws going up to the Supreme Court. And that would give them an opportunity maybe to go back and, and address Roe if they want to. All right. So – the eighteen-week ban. What's the argument from the left on that? Baby's uh, they, got a heartbeat. Uh, they they say it, it restricts a woman's right to an abortion. They think that there's some kind of right to an abortion, and if you pass a law 
that restricts abortion, then you've restricted her right. That's and their holy sacrament. It seems to be. I, well, just to be clear, they're basing it on the Supreme Court precedent. The more recent one, Jerry, remind me the name. It's not Roe. It's I forget the name of it. And as you Planned said, Parenthood v. Casey was Ca- one, right. the Casey decision. Right. And so now the standard is a little bit different than Roe, and it's whether it's sort of a significant infringement right. on a woman. And so they, the left says that if you cut it off at 18 weeks, the ability to have an abortion— that is a significant infringement. That's their argument. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's the the legal debate. And well, yeah. I think Jerry's right. Now this goes back before the Supreme Court at some point, and they will probably tweak that because remember Kennedy was the author of that opinion, so he's yeah. no longer there. Well, and and, and I think um, I think what's interesting is the the courts have said twenty week. Yeah, that's okay. Twenty week is not in, in, in much of an impediment. Um, twelve week? No, can't do twelve week. And so now we're saying, well, what about 18? Tell us what you think about 18. It's line drawing, right? I mean, 20 (laughs) weeks is half a pregnancy. Uh So it's about line drawing. Yeah. So tell us what you think about 18, and and we will see. That'll be uh, forthcoming, we hope. All right. OBGYN. Well, um, you know, they said abortion should be safe. Yeah. Do you really want your dermatologist doing abortions? Do you want your podiatrist doing abortions? Do you want your ophthalmologist doing abortions? They can here in Arkansas. If they've got a medical license and they're licensed to practice here in Arkansas, they can do abortions. What we're saying is, you know, maybe maybe they need to be a little more specialized than that. And so this law copies one that's on the books in Mississippi. And I think the Mississippi law may still stand, but I'm not sure about it, uh, that just says, you need to be either a licensed obstetrician gynecologist or board certifiable in order to do abortions in Arkansas. And I understand the ones here in Little Rock at the surgical facility are indeed that. Mm-hmm. I've been told that they are. I've been told that the ones that are at the Planned Parenthood facility in northwest Arkansas, which, by the way, has closed yes. because they lost their lease, um, that they probably are not board certified. And so... It does um, create a different dynamic there, but I'm good with that. All right. Got to get a break in. We come back. Let's uh, finish up talking about when is your legislative report card going to come out and entertainment districts. This is where we'll disagree. More coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You remember we had Conduit News on and from a... Uh, economy perspective, they give out a report card. They do. And you give out a report card on a social side. May I correct you just a smidgen? Sure. The lawmakers earn a grade. Okay. Just Good. like you did in school, Dave, you yeah. know, or just like we, we did in school. It, based on what? Based on what you did. Okay. And and, and see, the reason I, I – and, and I know you understand – the reason I say that is people say, well, you gave me a bad grade. No. No. You earned, never you earned your grade, right? I mean, if you're that, a teacher. That's absolutely correct. You it's earned your grade. And, and I gave you the grade that you earned. And if you earned a grade you don't like, then maybe you ought to do something different next time. And maybe you'll earn a grade that you do like. And I learned that from my 11 years of teaching high school. I mean, and kids would come to me and say, oh, Mr. Cox doesn't like me or – Whatever, and it's like no, I, I I like you just fine. I want you to make an A, but you didn't this time. Maybe you will next time. Mm-hmm. And so, 
What we do, Dave, is I, I've told you, you know Ken Yang on my staff. Yeah. Ken's a good guy, smart, smart guy. I said, Ken, I want you to take the bills that we were active on at the legislature, and I want you to give them four points for each one because we were active on 25 bills. Do the math. Four times 25 is 100. What should an A be? 90 to 100. What should an F be? Below 60. Right. And we let the numbers and the votes speak for themselves. How many 60s and below did you have? I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you until August 8th. That's when it's coming out. And okay. I don't even, I, honestly, I couldn't even tell you because I've deliberately stayed out of that. I said, Ken, just crunch the numbers and let it fall the way it does. And you know what happened last time? People looked at me and they said, how dare you give a Democrat an A? We had two Democrats who made A's. Interesting. And, you know why? Because they, they the earned right them. They voted right. I can't help it. If Larry Teague and Eddie Cheatham voted right, we should be applauding them rather than being upset. You know, Larry Teague got a really good grade from Conduit, too. Is that right? Yes. Well, he earned it, uh, you know, by how he voted. And so... I think it's about as fair as I know how to make it. And um, here's what you have happen. You have some people that are very vocal and very strong, let's say, on pro-life. But maybe they're not very strong on religious liberty. Maybe they're not very strong on making the lottery pay a higher percentage for college scholarships. Maybe they're not very strong on some of the other legislation that we cared about. But because they are strongly pro-life, they think they should get an A for everything else. And I'm like, I'm glad you're pro-life. I wish you were as strong in these other areas as you are for, for sanctity of human life. Right. And that's what this report card, I believe, shows. Because, see, a lot of people don't understand that you're more than about abortion. Absolutely we are. Absolutely. We are pro-homeschooling. We yes. are. Uh, we are concerned about... The fact that our lottery pays the lowest percentage for scholarships of any lottery in the whole country. It's really it's really just a shame. It's, it's a shame. disgraceful. And nobody will do anything about it at the, at the Capitol, even though we have introduced legislation almost every session to up that scholarship amount it, from 18 cents to a quarter. We're saying just give quarter, them a quarter. <laughs> a quarter. But it's just another example of sort of the bureaucratic skimming that goes on. Yeah. Where people say, well, you take the taxes and it gets redistributed. Yeah. After all the skimming. Absolutely. And it goes, yeah. it goes two ways, in fact, because if you give them more money, you know what the colleges would do? They're going to raise tuition. tuition. Yeah. It'd be just like if, if everybody in the state got a hamburger voucher for a dollar. How yeah. much would a hamburger? That's it'd exactly be a, two dollars. Right. Yeah, it'd be it more. It'd, it'd be, a, be a dollar more, and that's right. uh, and that's what what we've seen with that. And so, I I think the report card here here's how we 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 use that. Family Council Action Committee does the report card. Family Council does the voter guide. The voter guide is what the lawmaker says he's going to do. The report card is what he did. And if you put the two side by side, sometimes you find people are very consistent, and sometimes you find out 
They promise one thing, and they do something different. And I think voters need to know that. It's that's, critical. That's, it's critical. What, that's you know, what our uh, it's about. The consistency is as important, well, it depends what the issues are, but almost as important, at least, as being right on the issues. I, I have more appreciation, uh, again, I don't yeah. know about more appreciation. I've got a lot of appreciation for a Democrat who says he's a Democrat and does Democratic things than the Republicans, some of whom, or the, the Republicans who, in our past legislature, said one thing and did another mm-hmm. thing. I got somebody in Jonesboro in mind, by the way, Dave. Cooper. Yeah. There you go. Well, <laughs> that's why Joyce Elliott, Senator Elliott, and I get along great. Yeah. We go all the way back to college. We were in, in school together. Joyce is very strong in what she believes, and I respect that. That's right. Um, we get along fine. We just don't agree on stuff. But, and she's a smart and personable woman, which helps sure. as well. And yeah. she's, and I and she brought didn't she have a good bill last year, yes. Dave? Some bill that yeah, we talked about was, that we got behind. It was a bill that said if you were in prison. Oh, that's right. For let's say you had a, a rock of crack cocaine, right? And you were there for thirty-five years, and now somebody gets busted for the same thing, and for we've the same changed amount, the penalty and we've now changed for the to penalty. ten years, well, and you're makes still. Sense. Like, yeah. That the penalty be reduced yeah. on the other side. Sure. And yeah. I, I, go, uh, we, I went along And, and I think we all respect people who stick to their guns. That's right. Even if we disagree with them, there's a lot of respect there. And um, so, a, anyway, we, August 8th is the release date for the report card. And like I said, I couldn't even tell you what's in it because I've deliberately just been doing other things. But um, I'm sure there will be some happy people and some sad people, just like when we give out report cards at school. Well, as I said on your show, Dave, when the conduit report card came out, I said, look, folks, take these report cards, read them thoroughly, and understand what they're grading. If you got an A in biology, that means you know biology. So if you get an A from Jerry, it's an A on Jerry's issues. If you get an A from conduit, it's an A on conduit issues. Then decide what issues, maybe all of those, are important to you. Those are your tools to help evaluate. Don't go into this blind. Read these report cards. They are educational. They're informative. They make you a better citizen of this state and then you vote don't yeah. forget to vote that's why yeah i have him filled Ab- in. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> he does that's a good great job. that's all good right. stuff before you leave entertainment districts you all too broad not, no. way too broad okay that law was passed with not a lot of forethought i'll give you an example here in arkansas you can't have a bar or liquor store near a church or a school correct correct but now you can have an entertainment district that runs slap dab in front of the school Right in front of the church, there's absolutely no restriction on that. And so that's just one example of how so it, it, was, it was just you're too not, loose. You're not totally against entertainment districts. You just want them controlled better. I, I've not seen an entertainment district that I like. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Maybe, Dave, you guys can find me one. I'll be looking. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I've walked down Bourbon Street and yeah. uh, all that. And I've just not found one that I like. I'll put it that way. But all that all that aside, I think what they could have done is, for example, there's no limitations on the times of day. So you could have an entertainment district 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. and it could run right in front of an elementary school. I know that's extreme, and maybe there's no city council or quorum court in Arkansas that would do that. But I'll give you an example of what they tried in Mountain Home the other day. They were going to make an entertainment entertainment district that was one block shorter than Bourbon Street. 
Now, why Mountain Home needs an entertainment district that big, I could not tell you. And so I know that uh, there are people that would disagree with with that, but it's a place where kids are not welcome. It's a place where you end up with uh, more problems than we need. All right. Jerry, thanks for coming by. Hey, Dave. Four weeks from today, you will be here to talk about the report card. I'd love to do it. Put All it on right. the calendar. I got, I got it done. All right. Thanks so much. I'm sending you that video of that feminist. Good. I want you to see it. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Robert, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. God bless. Maybe I can get you back tomorrow. We'll try. We'll try to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll see you all tomorrow, 2 o'clock, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.